back to the four and a half shirt. So we've since learned so much about this shirt in your avatar. Uh, yes, this is, uh, you probably don't recognize this. That is um, from the movie, uh, a great movie about Scott Pilgrim, the biopic. We did this already. I can't tell. I can't tell if this is a bit. <laughs> Wait, what? Come on. <sighs> One day we're going to get through all of these many topics and you're going to have to talk about the flop house at some point. Sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm kind of a shambles tonight, John. Kind of a shambles. That's all right. Me too. Mm. I started taking naps and I'm mm, kind of on the bubble about it. You're doing power naps? You're doing regular naps? You're doing old man naps? Probably the old man nap. I, I'm usually just, just almost exactly an hour in the afternoon. You're just resting your eyes, right? I'm just resting my eyes. Just pull my hat down. Um, resting my eyes. Yeah. No, I'm I'm getting good. I'm getting real good at it. And if you're interested, I have a new dream, but I'm not going to tell you about it. I have um, a workflow for how I coordinate an afternoon nap because I figured out how to turn. I'm not going to yuck on my yums anymore. I've found lots of ways to consolidate many, many of my various problems <laughs> from a deficit, right? It's like, uh, you know, taking those junk mortgages and turning it into some kind of a financial instrument. I figured out how to take all of my problems and turn it into a positive, And it's really working out. How does, how does the nap factor into that? Well, you know, life, John Syracuse, life can be like pushing a rope sometimes, mm-hmm. like the fella says. And, uh, and so I've realized things like if I t- <laughs> I'm such a bad person, if I take a bath. Like after a podcast in the afternoon. Like I record a podcast, like I'm home, I took a bath. <laughs> so I just want to picture this. Your life. Shut up. <laughs> he, Shut up. I have he, things I have to do. You, you talk to people on the computer and then you take a bath. Do you know how, why don't you just accept that it can be very tiring to record? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and sweaty and, and dirt, it's dirty work. Oh, here we go. Save it. Save it. Yeah, you get fingerprints all over your life. Smudges and scratches. All right, anyway, so you, you're going to have an afternoon bath because... <laughs> I like, well, <coughs> sometimes a fellow likes to have a bath, and I'll do, I'll, right. I might do a bubble bath. Like, let's say, mm-hmm. for the sake of argument, I've recorded a program with, uh, with Dan Benjamin. I'm completely exhausted. If I were to take a bath, that makes me sleepy, right? If I have a big lunch, that makes me sleepy. You got to Roderick this joint up and get your lunch in the bath with you. I'm getting there. I'm, all right. Okay. All right. This is quick. This is quick. This will go by quick, but this might help a lot of people. Um, here's another one. Here's the third one. If I lay down on the bed and close my eyes, I get sleepy. All right. So why don't I find some way? This is a little bit of like George having the sandwich. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. So I, I come home from recording with Dan Benjamin. I'm exhausted, and I know a couple things about myself. I know I'd like to take a, <laughs> take a nice bath. I know I'd like to have a lunch, and you know, all other things being equal, I, I wouldn't mind having a little nap. This is one of those afternoons where things lined up. There was I didn't have to do a pickup. All I got to do tonight is order burgers and record a podcast with you and, and prepare for the show as I do. This is not prepared. This is ad hoc. So you know what I did? I, I, I sautéed uh, uh, some sausage and I made a, kind of a, 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 a Cajun rice mix while I was making that. And this is going to be a real starchy, ricey lunch, right? This is like, what, one, two o'clock. While I'm doing that, I draw a nice hot bath, pour, pour in some bubble bath. Right now, I turn down the heat. <laughs> I turn, oh god, I turn down the heat on the food that's cooking, and I, I go and I take a bath. I get out whoa, of the whoa, bath. Whoa, 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 wait, wait a second. Yeah, you're in the bath. Yeah, while food is cooking elsewhere in the house unattended. Yeah, isn't that the 
least relaxing possible way to take a bath. Like you have food. Oh, is this is this in a slow cooker where it's going to be there for sixteen hours? I don't understand how you can go off and do something else in the midst of cooking. That does not compute. You're just making this longer. I take four Adels. Uh, andouille sausage. I cut them up until they're about a third of an inch thick. I like them a little thick, a little thin, a little in between. Now, I put in some lard. <laughs> I put in some lard, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I do that over a medium-high heat until they get a little bit of a sear yeah. on them. I flip them. So words, the words grease fire mean anything to you? <laughs> do they mean anything to you? You do that. And now I brown <laughs> I brown my meat, okay? At this point, the, the water's running in the other room. So, you know, I got two things going on. Yeah. I'm multitasking. Yeah, yeah. yeah, this is great. This is a formula for so many disasters. It's, it's, no, I trust my tub. I still gotta figure out if it's metal. You got the water running in the tub. Yeah. And you've got. Are you the only one home at this point? Of course I am. I would never do this in front of my family. (sighs) This is daddy's time. Uh huh. Okay. So, guys. This is like where you read those stories about the guy charging (laughs) his iPhone from the hall outlet and his thing. It's like, let me get this. And then the firemen are coming to the smoking hole in the ground that used to be your home. (laughs) Hey, let me get this straight. You were running a bath at the same time you were cooking sausage. <laughs> also, it was a large pile of children's shoes by the front door. Bit of a fire hazard. I'm gonna go ahead and give put a citation on this smoking hole. That's the only thing left. It's that's all that's shoes. left is children's shoes that were never mm-hmm. worn. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh God, I'm making this so much longer. So anyway, I got the lard. I, I got I got the andouilles, and I'm getting those nice and sizzly. And so go and check on the water and make sure everything's copacetic. I come back to the kitchen. I, I throw in some crystal sauce. I like a little bit of a hot sauce in there. Okay, now everything's going great. So now I turn it all the way up to high. I put in my one and a half cups of water and my rice mix because I'm having mixed rice. And you mix that up. Now you get a good boil. Wait, wait, what, is a, what is a rice mix? Let's see. It is Spanish. It's, um, it's that one is it, company. Is it regular rice or is it like some kind of weird rice no, no. that cooks in three seconds? No, no, no. Oh, come on, man. No, it's homemade. It's homemade. It's Zatarans. It's box, box rice. Is that regular rice? You can put that in dried rice you put in it's prepared at the rice. end of cooking your sausage? I do lots of meals like this. It's Zatarans Spanish rice. Mm-hmm. Dollar twenty-two, two-day shipping available, New Orleans style. So anyway, now you got the sausage in there with the lard. You got your crystal sauce in there. You got your one and a half cups of water. The water over here in the other room. We got this guy over here. He's making a nice bubble bath. Now over mm-hmm. here, now with the Spanish rice, I turn it up. I turn it up. Okay. Now I'm getting a boil on. That is when I pour in my Zatarans uh, New Orleans style Spanish rice side dish mix. I dump that All in. All right, so I, I missed the cup and a half of water, so it's making more sense. Oh yeah, you know, no, it makes its own sauce, and then and uh, and then I uh, and so then here's where it gets good. I go double check on the water again because you know now you got me worried. It might be a head injury, and I uh, oh it's gluten free. That's good to know. And so now now is when it gets exciting because I got a boil on right. I have a really good pan. I got a Calphalon pan. Got a good good boil happening. Now the magic happens. I take the, some uh, some heritage uh, variety tiny tomatoes, throw the tomatoes in. Green peas, not a problem. You throw those in if you want. It gives me the trots a little bit, so I like to go easy on those. So now I get that in there. Now I got a boil going on. I watch that for just a second. I turn that down to just below the lowest setting, what I would call a Spanish simmer. Now you're getting a simmer on. Simmerillion. <laughs> That's going. I got that going good. Now I go back. Now I go and I turn the hot water from all the way hot to where I want it to be. I top it off. I got a, I got a nice bay rum bubble bath going on. I got rice cooking over here. I bring my iPad in. I listen, I'm listening to some, uh, some podcasts and I take a nice bath while my lunch cooks. 
So, how long is this bath? How long is that? Rice short bath. Short bath. There. Twenty-five minutes. So short you, bath. And while you're in the bath, are you thinking about the fact that there is a burner on in the other room? Yeah, it's gas. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm going to have a delicious lunch in a few minutes. Mm-hmm. And it's and it's total nap fuel. So at this point, I'm very very relaxed because I make the superior bath. I'm like a lobster. I'm like a lobster slathered in bay rum. I'm like a like a New England treat. I get out. You, you, you are you are your own crawfish boil to stay with the New Orleans theme. <laughs> Guarantee. I get out. <clears throat> I treat myself to two fresh white towels. I towel myself all the way off. I get real dry. Put on some deodorant, even though I don't have to. Right? Things are going great at this point. It's, it's about you know two two fifteen. And they're and they're only getting better. Yeah. Okay. okay? <clears throat> so now so now I go out. I got my towel on. I might weigh myself. You know because I'm naked. And uh, I took the towel off for that. Now I go, I go check on the Zatarans, make sure everything's copacetic. Now at this point, I take a, a, a rubber tip spatula and I kind of sc- scoot it around, make sure everything's going to be good, right? Now, if I got a little extra time, I'll go lay on the bed for a minute and look at the iPad while it's cooking. Very, very low setting. Do you have a timer on the cooking process? No, for this one, I don't. I usually do. For pasta, I always do. For this one, I have, uh, I have the force. I have an innate sense of when my Zatarans, New Orleans style Spanish rice side dish is ready. <laughs> Okay, so everything's going great. Everything's coming up Millhouse. <sighs> Haul myself out of bed. At this point, I'm wearing sweatpants. I'm getting real comfortable. And uh, so I go, I go, and now here's, here's what I do. This is a life hack. I go and I, I pick out most of the meaty parts, and there's going to be some residual rice on the meaty parts. Oh, there's also some, some leftover pulled pork in there. I feel part of my saying. I, I take the meaty parts, I put that into a bowl. I cover that up with a little bit more New Orleans-style Spanish rice side dish by Zatarans. And now I have some lunch. I have some lunch and I have two seltzer waters. And right about that time, <sighs> that is a good time to go lay down for a one hour and two minute nap. What's the total lapse time from beginning the cooking process to laying down for your hour and a half nap? 48 minutes. So total time for the whole thing is a two hour. This is a two hour midday diversion. Oh, come on. Here we go. <clears throat> involving involving a bath, a home-cooked lunch, and a nap. Yeah. You should move to Italy. <laughs> <laughs> That's a no good boss. <laughs> yeah, so I think it, yeah. I, I, I mean, I think it's good for me. My grandparents always did this. Uh, of course, they, they, they cooked Zatarans while they were in a bathtub, <laughs> and then they took a nap. <laughs> well, they ate a lot of cottage cheese. <laughs> yeah, it's the same thing. Yeah, so I mean, they took a nap. That was sacrosanct. They would go to their separate bedrooms because they were <laughs> they were gentlemen, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and they would have their nap. And it was not to disturb them. And uh, who knows what was going on? Were they watching? Is the reason you know this is they would take care of you sometimes, so you'd be over there when they take their individual naps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You might go over, like you know, go drop off in the morning, hang out in the afternoon. All right. So your your grandparents are watching you. You're over there. They go into their separate bedrooms, take their naps. What do you do during this time? Now that the two adults who are supposedly watching you are both asleep, draw a bath and start cooking <laughs> exactly. New Orleans style Spanish rice side dish. No, no, we ate a lot of cottage cheese. What, what did you do? Seriously, was this like one? You know, once once your adult supervision disappeared, did you like start playing with matches or? You just turn the burners on and then go do something else outside in the yard? I ain't going front. Uh, when I was a little older, I really enjoyed playing with matches. I, I'm not proud of that, but we can circle mm-hmm. back to that. I, I've broken some ashtrays. I shattered some ashtrays with, with uh, heat play. I loved playing with matches. No, no. I had a toy box. I had like a like an ad hoc box of some toys. And, and I think I probably had crayons and stuff. And I would just, uh, I would play quietly. I might go out on the terrace. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
It was really boring. It was Social so boring. Social services didn't come by and say, no, boy, is anyone watching you? Cincinnati, 1977. Everythingything's fine. How, how, how old are you at this point? Oh, you know, this is probably from uh, 8 to 11. My grandfather passed uh, 78. Uh, so that would be, yeah, this is, this is a 70s type situation. Yeah. yeah. But my grandmother smoked a lot. She smoked so much. She came out of surgery from her smoking diseases, and the first thing she wanted was a cigarette. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know if she smoked in bed. Most of my family smoked in bed. What did she make it to? How old? Uh, 80 diggity four. Yeah, those stories don't help. Yeah. Yeah, I think, yeah, there's a lot of heart problems. But I'm in great shape. I take care of myself. I like to have a hot bath. Yeah, you, do, yeah, you got a you two-hour break every day. It's, it's not a break. It's not a, not a break. Say, You're right, yeah. It's your heart break. at work. No, it's, it's, exactly, it's not. It's, it's exactly how most people live. In the middle God. of the day, they have a two-hour time in which they take a bath, <laughs> cook themselves a meal, and take a nap. It's That's not, exactly how. It's not every day. It's just in the service of explaining my workflow. It's <laughs> What I'm trying <laughs> to say is that I have a lot of problems. And, and. Ordinarily, right, so, well, so I, I, you've explained what you did. How mm-hmm. does how does this uh, sequence of activities become a sink for your problems? Oh, because ordinarily, if I, if I take a bath after recording a podcast, I get sleepy. I go, mm-hmm. this is no good. And then what do I do? What am I going to do? I'm now I'm going I'm to be drinking coffee at two in the afternoon. So you wouldn't take the nap? Because why wouldn't you just take the nap then? You can't always take the nap. Sometimes I'm here at my private office. I can't just lay on the floor. It's filthy in here. But then how does this... You still got, took a nap and got tired. The only difference is but that you also... I in my nice also... clean bed with my Casper mattress. And and uh, and so, but the bath plus the Zatarain's uh, New Orleans-style Spanish rice side dish are a terrific way to induce a nap. Now, another way you can go is a caffeine nap. Now, you don't drink any caffeine except what's... Do you have any in Sprite? Does Sprite have caffeine? Probably does, but I don't drink Sprite. I thought you were a Sprite man. If I have to have a soda at some place that doesn't have anything else to drink, I have a Sprite, but I don't hmm. have it in the house. You have an iced tea? Uh, no, not really. Okay. You normally just drink water? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I like water. So anyway, I think I like to think that I, <laughs> I put my sorries in a sack. I figured out how to take all, all of these negatives, and by connecting them together like electrons, I've, I've enabled, I've got a power move workflow now. And then I go, and I know I'm going to take a nap. Now, the other thing you can do, you're not a caffeine drinker, you can take what's called a caffeine nap, which is you slam uh, an amount of caffeine and then go lay down, because turns out it takes 20 minutes for caffeine to, uh, to, to hit, the, hit the veins. That's another thing you can do. But I don't want to be drinking caffeine. That, you know, I'm, you get cranky, you stay up too late. I had some tea yesterday, and I ended up staying up and watching the freaking Dr. Dre, Jimmy Ovine documentary until like 1 in the morning. Hmm. So they skip over all the uh, spousal abuse or whatever he's got going on. Which one? Is that Jimmy? Dre. Oh, oh, this thing was very manicured. All right. So I'm gonna think, I guess they skipped that part. I don't remember. I only saw the first part. They, the wife beating might be in part two. I don't know if it was his wife. It might have been his girlfriend. Oh, sorry. Sorry. The, the girlfriend training. I, I, um, no, uh, it was, it was entertaining and well-made, but it was real, like here's I'm Jimmy Iovine, and like you need to know there's lessons that I've learned about life, and it's mm-hmm. you can just tell that guy's no that guy's trouble. You can just tell. Can you tell by looking? I feel like I can tell that guy's trouble. I can tell he's not doing Apple any favors. That's all I can tell about him. Well, they open. Interestingly enough, they I'd, I'd forgotten about the the leak. I guess what the day before. Do you remember that? Like before they were going to make the announcement about the acquisition. Uh, Dr. Dre, I'm not sure he's an, he's an actual physician, but he was at a party and his friend made a video and put it on the internet and Apple oh, yeah, was yeah. not happy at all. Yeah. Yeah. He had to have a come to Jimmy call. That's fine. Yeah. First, first billion dollar hip hop guy. And then he used the N word a lot. Snoop Dogg even thought that was a little bit, uh, not cool. 
Snoopy. What's he called now? He's just called Snoo. And they had they had Will I Am on there. He was on there. They had uh, your buddy from uh, the 1987 band on there with his glasses. He was on there. No, it was well made. They had the boss, who always a great interview, because you know um, he 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 engineered uh, Born to Run. Born to Run. Yeah. Born to Run. Born to Run. Yeah. Yeah, and the story behind that it's uh, it's got that kind of like I started eBay because of Pez dispensers feeling to it. It's mm-hmm. got a little bit of that like. Mm, Mm, I watch so many things about so many different things. And I feel like if I watch closely enough, I'll discover that almost everything is about cocaine. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> seriously. Only, in, only during the 80s, though. 70s too, man. I'm telling you. Yeah, you're right. 70s too. A lot of people with nasal problems. So anyway, that's how I turn my uh, my yuck into a yum, is to be able to, you know, line up my electrons and get my uh, Zatarain's New Orleans-style Spanish rice side dish. Yeah, I still don't, I don't, still don't see that connection. I see that you have combined a bunch of activities into a reasonably, slightly more efficient form by, at the same time, risking both flooding and burning your house down. I but don't that, How often do, do do things go wrong with your bathtub and your and your your cooktop? Do you have a lot of problems with reliability? Don't leave. When you are cooking food, do not leave the room in which it's cooking unless it's like a super slow cook type thing. And then you have to revisit it like every 10 minutes. That's what the, we, we did that with pulled pork the other day. Okay. Hmm. What about leaving your kids alone in a movie theater? Do you have a problem with that? How old are the kids? Well, my wife only recently found out that my daughter stays in the theater when I go to the bathroom and she was outraged. Not outraged. She was like, she was surprised. Uh, what, she, your daughter is eight now? Nine and a half. That's probably fine. It's Spider-Man, right? No, that's not, that's not the question. I mm-hmm. mean, you gotta know if, if your kid is prepared for uh, every eventuality. She's not, she's not. no, she's not. <laughs> find somebody with a badge. your wife doesn't listen to this podcast. Yeah, sure is. Find, find somebody with a badge or, or a woman with kids and ask for help. Just scream really loudly, you know, right. whatever, whatever it takes. If you find a clown, like there's a clown with like a white van made of candy, mm-hmm. like, you know, use your judgment. If they have a puppy, it's okay to go in, but, uh, but mm-hmm. otherwise be circumspect. Yeah. Yeah. Your dad said it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I need your help finding a puppy. He's in here giving birth. <laughs> oh, oh, come on. <laughs> Gary's not a pedophile. This no. Is, you're just combining I, voices here. Your limited repertoire you is besmirching the, the great name of Gary. You laugh, but you know pretty soon clowns are going to be on the discrimination tip. If they're not already. I don't follow the clown community closely, but you know. Yeah, say, already there's, there's got to be some, like, like furries. It's like, well. Not all clowns. Yeah. This episode of Reconcilable Differences is brought to you in part by Away. You can learn more about Away right now by visiting awaytravel.com slash diffs. Listen, here's the thing. Your luggage shouldn't cost more than your plane ticket. That's crazy town banana pants. And that's why Away makes smart premium suitcases for under just $300. That's so cheap. Go to, Not cheap, it's inexpensive. It's affordable is what it is. You go to awaytravel.com slash diffs now and you can browse Away's wonderful suitcases all made with premium German polycarbonate, which is unrivaled in strength and impact resistance and it's still very lightweight. Away offers four different sizes of suitcase. You got the carry-on, you got the bigger carry-on, you got the medium, and you got the large. I think that's a nice selection and frankly, I like the way that they're named. And they have nine great colors for you to choose from. Away suitcases feature a patent-pending compression system, which is great. If you're an overpacker, and you also get, oh, brother, you get the four, three, 60-degree spinner wheels. Woo, 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 woo. I like to push my daughter around on there because I'm a bad father. Always carry-ons are compliant with all major U.S. airlines. 
while still maximizing the amount that you can pack. It even has a cool little TSA combination lock built in. It's got a removable, washable laundry bag. You can put all your stuff in there. That's pretty great. But here's, I don't know why they put this so far into the read, because this is the best part. That's my opinion. They didn't tell me to say that, but both sizes of the carry-on feature USB ports so you can charge your devices while traveling. Here's the thing. It's got a little battery. It's got a rechargeable, if I may say, giant-ass battery. You can charge your phone up to five times. I have charged devices multiple times on this thing. So you're sitting in an airport. You don't have to be plugged into the wall like some kind of an animal. You can charge with your suitcase and everybody will say, who, who are you? Are you from the future? And you say, come with me if you want to live. You'll never be without power again. Away believes in the quality of their products. That's why they offer a lifetime guarantee, a lifetime guarantee. If anything breaks, they'll fix or replace it for life. And get this, they also have a 100-day trial. No questions asked, return policy. They're not gonna ask any questions. With free shipping on any order within the lower 48 states of the U.S., travel smarter with the suitcase that charges your phone. That's actually pretty good. To find out more about Away, you go to awaytravel.com slash diffs. That's D-I-F-F-S. You use that code diffs at checkout, you're going to get $20 off any of their suitcases. That's a pretty good amount of dollars. Awaytravel.com slash diffs. Offer code diffs for $20 off our thanks to Away for supporting reconcilable differences and all of Relay FM. Oh, anyway, I feel pretty good. <clears throat> pretty good. Pretty, pretty good. And then I had so a... Was this, was this today you did this whole... Yeah, this whole... yeah I recorded my back-to-work program uh, with uh, with Dan Benjamin, and, and I was... And then you did all that to, to reset yourself, and you had a nap, and and you tried to explain how this is uh, this this helps with your bad things, which I still don't understand, and then now here you are. You're just not listening. You're... <sighs> I'm listening. I don't understand how this is... How, how this is channeling bad things into good. How? If, if eating food that makes you sleepy Mm -hmm. is not something you can figure out how to transmogrify into a positive experience, then you're going to be sad. And in this case, I know I can, I can hunker down on some Zatarain's New Orleans style Spanish rice side dish and know that is going to be a, as you say, a catalyst for helping with daddy's nap time. But you had just said, but like this, this food you want to eat is going to make you sleepy. So your solution to the problem was to eat the food and and let it make you sleepy and then sleep. Also have a bath. Yeah. And have a bath. Like, you you are not doing a good job explaining this. Yeah, well, you're not a good napper. That's true. I know. You're not a good napper. You're not a good napper. You do that. <laughs> when did I take a napper? Did I try to take a nap recently? I think no. Sometime no. recently I might have. I bet tried you do when you were having beach time. I bet you get get have like a beach time nap. No, I'm one of those people who like doesn't. I don't know how to nap. Like if I go to sleep in the middle of the day. I wake up like after way too long and like don't understand what day it is anymore. And then like feel all weird for the whole rest of that time, and it just messes everything up. I just I don't do well. well I forget if we've talked about this. I think we probably have. But I I mean there are definitely. Well, I was gonna say there are nap people, but more significantly, there are definitely not nap people. I mean, I'm very much aware of that. This was a challenge on um, a podcast I do where we challenge each other to take a nap. And my hosts were mad at me. They did revenge challenges because they were so <laughs> mad that I encouraged them to try to sleep when it wasn't tired time. Yeah. No, it's bad. It's bad. Well, see, the thing it's the thing about the, for non-nap people, I'm a non-nap person, taking a nap, like, when you, after you're done with that nap, you feel terrible. It's like, it's... I don't know. It's not like the end of a sickness, but it's like you just feel completely out of sorts. You usually feel gross in a way that doesn't make any sense. Like you would, you don't feel as gross after eight hours of sleep. But you're confused and logy, and you know that feeling after you've been crying. Like after you cry, there's that feeling of having cried. It's kind of like that. You've got a little bit of that. Like, uh, uh, what's wrong? Why is my body in revolt? 
Yeah, and you and like you have this weird taste in your mouth that you can't get rid of, no matter yeah. how much you brush your teeth, and then like this is expectations about things that are gonna happen. Like, wait, is it dinner time now? I don't I'm don't want dinner. I don't know where I am. What's going it's just it's the worst. And so that you destroy the whole day. When it's nighttime sleepy time, are you a good sleeper? Are you good at getting to sleep yeah, and staying no, asleep? I'm 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 a champion sleeper. <laughs> is that where you're a Viking? Yeah, it is. I used to be better before uh kids and yeah. pets uh ruined my ability to sleep late but i found that i've i've still got it here's the trick so like kids ruin my ability to sleep when whatever part of my brain the m7 chip in my brain mm-hmm. that I use apple parlance that yeah. is always listening yeah like if there's a squawk from a baby if my wife talks to somebody if i hear my children's voice if a dog whines like all of these things that that now trigger my immediate wake up right if I can eliminate those, which I've done, I think maybe last year sometime or something, like like everybody was gone and we didn't have any pets and it was just me in the house. And I went to sleep and put on like some kind of white noise fan type thing to prevent me from hearing anything. And I slept until like 1 p.m. And I was like, oh, still got it. Oh, that's so nice to know you still have it. Yeah. Like I, was saying, I thought I had lost it, but it's not. I mean, I've mostly lost it because I used to be able to sleep like that because didn't have a camera. You know, when you're a teenager, I could sleep yeah. till 2 p.m. easy. You know, what about have you tried earplugs? No, I don't like I don't I don't like things in my ears. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, but now now I'm super light sleeper because you know babies train you to be like oh, what I'm ready I'm up <laughs> and, and same thing with the dogs. And we we just... have an air cleaner machine and that we run mainly for white noise, but it also cleans the air theoretically. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I got I got earplugs and I got a hat. Yeah, your sleep hat. Your sleep hat's in the many topics. You know, I I I'm very uncomfortable saying these words to you. I mean, I feel like we're you know pals up to a point. You know that mm-hmm. you, that you'll allow. But um, uh, you do that. You you know what you need to do? You need to listen to your body. That's the thing. You got to mm-hmm. listen to your body. You got to listen to your body for the signal that it's going to be sleepy time during the day. Okay. And then- listen to my is... heart. Hmm? Can listen to my heart. Speaking of- That was 90s, sorry. Not oh. 90s music. Hmm. Hmm. I just like the cover. There's like a good cover of that. Okay, listen to listen to you. What? Oh, wait. Is that a heart song? Uh um... Listen to your heart. <laughs> no, I'm saying closing time. a rock set song? It could be rock set, could be heart. Yeah. yeah. I was just listening to uh, Closing Time by Semi Sonic. It's rock set, but there's a cover of it by, by DHT. DHT cover of Listen to Your Heart. I really like. Hmm. DHT. Rock set. Oh, look at that rock set. They've got the look. Mm-hmm. They do. Look at them. They, they're like uh, Eurythmics uh, times 90s equals rock set. Yeah. Okay. I'll allow it. You gotta listen to your body, and here's the thing: it's gonna take you. This take you months, but you've got to start figuring out what your nap position is. You will find you may have sleep positions. I know I have five distinct positions when I sleep, <laughs> and so I, I know my sleep positions when I sleep. <laughs> so, the five precise drainage holes, <laughs> know, right? Exactly. <laughs> the dream I had last night was so bananas. It involved a mobile massage studio where you got to play D anD D, and. Uh, but you got to listen, you got to listen to your heart and, and your heart will tell you like, this is a way, if I lay this way with my hands this way in this part of the bed at this time, and I say to myself meditatively, I'm going to go to sleep. I have gotten pretty good. I am up to pretty dependable bonus sleep and I have not been sleeping as much as I should lately, which is bad because I've been watching too much TV, but no, I, I got a triple bonus sleep this week. I got woken up at 5.30 a.m. by a dog that had to be taken out. Oh no. Our cat, I'm going to hear about this. Our cat. I think she's got to get her ears cleaned again because she's doing this, you know, she does the meowing and she's, she mm-hmm. broke a record the other night. She got up to 13 meows. I'm not going to do all of them. 
That's not much of a record. Oh, yeah. No. Well, how does it how does it stop? She stops on her own or she stops because something happens? I think she's she pauses to listen to what the response is going to be. Mm. Is she scratching at her ears? No. No, no. Uh-uh. <laughs> so just a giant stream of maggot-like uh, white pustules streaming from them make you think maybe her ears need to be cleaned? It's not white. No. It's a brown. <laughs> it's green it looks like you know like you imagine like you ever hear about the the urban myth about people where they like lay spider eggs in mm-hmm. your hair or in a zit you think it's a zit yeah. you pop it and spiders come out yep yep it's like that but a cat <laughs> you're describing your whole cat or the ear part specifically i don't know she's like an arachnid pinata <laughs> well that's a great police album um so anyway tonight i had a uh, burger and a bun so i feel pretty good i feel pretty good um, got having a seltzer. Um, do good, do good, do good follow up. We've got um, got a little bit of follow up. If you've got it, do you have anything in the if you got it area of follow up? Anything, anything? Here's the thing. Let's let's share this with our listeners. Do you have any updates about either your bird and or your dog? I feel like offline you told me things are getting a little better with the dog. No, I, you know what? Forget it. No, forget it. Was it was part of the last show. It's a ra- not- uh, this is episode 51 recorded, July 11, You're, 2017. It's yeah, a wraparound yeah, 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 episode. Yeah, yeah. We it's so difficult to separate up. your life from your podcast. Oh, uh, dig Um, Okay. All right. Well, QED. Yeah, we've had dog updates. The dog has, continues to be fine. We're, 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 I'm glad we're you do the show. We're working through our issues. Mm-hmm. She still wakes up way too early. She's but a sweet, precious that. angel. Those photos you sent. Oh, it's freckles. She's a, she's a cutie. We have, we have a, to make up for all of the, you know, the waking up early and the difficulties and so on and so forth. Today, by the way, she discovered toilet paper. And oh, no. Streamed it from the downstairs bathroom uh, across the house to the front door and got herself all wrapped up in it. It was very cute. Oh, did you get photos? Uh, I got a couple quickies, oh. but then I had to, you know. Yeah, you don't embarrass her. The, the toilet paper and mm-hmm. make sure she knows this is the thing she's not supposed to do. Uh, now, see, if you've been cooking and she went into the kitchen... And like jumped onto the range, mm-hmm. right? She's not going to jump into the range, but yeah, I would never, I would never have food cooking in the kitchen without me in there. So we don't have that. Problem. What kind of toilet paper you get? You get? I know you get a lot of it when you get it. But what the, kind do you get? Uh, the really cheap thin stuff that uh, people <gasps> don't like. You get Scott? Yeah. Oh come on! You're not a Cottonelle man. No, no. Nope. And then your 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 wife, by design, buys bricks. She prefers it as well. It's, it's just like the nappers versus non-nappers. You don't mind it. You don't mind Scott. No. You do not believe the dressing down I got from John Roderick circa 2004 he's, when he discovered that we had- a sensitive tush. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's true. He's probably a little puckery from all those baths. <laughs> and it's just a different technique. I mean, first of all, mm. it's a respect for plumbing because if you talk to any plumber, they all yeah. want you to use the, you know, the Scott stuff and not the, the other floofy stuff. I mean, you, you know what? The Fatberg, like we already, you already covered this in your other program. I know. We're weaning. We're weaning. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard. It's so satisfying. Okay. Did you see Baby Driver? I have not seen it. I'm so behind on movies. Although I've we're we're trying to work out a movie thing here now because my wife is out of town again. Uh and she is like, Maybe I'll go see Spider Man uh while I'm out of town and then this weekend you can take the kids to see it and I'll watch the dog during that time. So we might do that. So I might so end she, up she wants Spider-Man. to see Spider Man. Yeah. Oh cool. Oh, that's really cool. Oh, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, so I'd I'd like to see that. I'd like to see Baby Driver. I'd like to see what's the other one? Wonder Woman. I'm so behind. Oh gosh! Wow. I know. I know. I only, I only saw. I only saw three movies this week. Oh, well, is that in between <laughs> your, your, uh, your two-hour midday breaks with naps? Is that around New Orleans style Spanish? Nice. Yeah. No. I. Uh, you know. It's. It's. I'm. I'm not busy. I'm time constrained. You're constrained by something. 
it's summer. Summer is a mess. It's such a mess. <laughs> to catch that part of ATP, uh, the, the most recent ATP. Which Marcus said that he, work, he works a lot during the summer. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, I saw a video of him making a, making a TV today. I saw that too. We'll talk about that next show. Oh, that's interesting. He's wearing, he's wearing short pants. Well, you know. Yeah. It's his choice. His, his body. I'm not going to body shave him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, he, so he's keeping that beard. Is that a thing he's doing? Yep. Hmm. How do you feel about that? I don't know. If, if, if he likes it and his wife likes it, uh, then, you know, yeah, more power to him. Okay, I agree. Um, do you want to hit any of these uh, many topics? Um, anything here, Grab? Yeah, let's, let's we cover 1987 briefly, just because as, as is my usual way, I listen to Radark Online just before we do our recording, because just the scheduling usually works out that way. That was a fun one. Yeah, you guys talked about music a lot. You do that sometimes. You just spin off into the you have you have entire music episodes. Sometimes they're specific specifically. We don't. We know. Of course, we don't mean to. It's. I was yeah, just yeah. asking a simple question about David Lee Roth, and it turned to like an hour and a half yeah, of yeah. music talk. And sometimes it's specifically Beatles, but other times it's just music in general. And you were, I don't know how it happened, but you were homing in on a particular time. I think it was based on like John talking about the people who graduated two years after him versus the people who graduated two years before him from right. high school and the differences and in, in the generations and stuff. But you're homing in on 86, 87, and 88. And eventually, specifically in 1987, and talking about the music of 1987. And somehow you got through this entire segment. I think it's because John waved you off when you were about to read like the top 10 songs in 1987 mm-hmm. because he shifted you to 88 or something. Yeah. But you got through this entire segment mm-hmm. focusing basically on... 87 and the surrounding years that once mentioning you two. And I was cherry. Well, then to be clear, I was cherry picking to make my case that up through 86 was still like a pretty, pretty great time for a lot of music in general, in general. And, and then it got crappy in 88. 87 things that. were starting to really turn. And it was my conjecture in the moment on a podcast that 1987 and into 1988 are when a lot of bands released their poorest material. And you had a, you had an exception, exception that proves the rule. Yeah, well, I know, but I just like I don't, I don't know how you can talk about the music of of that of that era of the '80s and not mention you two because that was that was peak you two. They were everywhere; mm. you could not escape them. The biggest yeah. fan in the world says Time Magazine. I know they were around a lot. I don't want to provoke you because you know. I mean, I'm right there with you. It's it, it's John. I know John has this weird Bruce Springsteen hangups, which you'd never have uh, t- addressed on the show. Maybe and Billy Joel. Topic, you know what he's the terrible things and, he and says Billy, about William Joel? Joel. I can give him more because like, well, come on, it's Billy Joel. Like he that's, is, that's he's the, corny. That's the anti gimme. Yeah. And and John is not from Long Island, so he's not genetically and contractually obligated to love Billy Joel. So I understand where he's coming from there, mm-hmm. but not liking Bruce Springsteen is immediately suspect. And does he also not like you too? Um, I don't know in particular, but you know, he sort of outed himself. He outed himself a little bit this week talking about tears for fears. Oh yeah. How, yeah. How similar kind of thing. Now he like, realizes it's good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. He also, he just, he has a kind of thing about Mike Squires, but yeah, no, I mean, here's the thing. You I, know, don't, I don't know who Mike, I don't know who Mike Squires is. Mike Squires, uh, was, uh, it was in the long winters. He's a longtime friend and uh, nemesis of John's. Yeah. But um, I got that from the show. I was just wondering, it's just some famous person that I should know, but, um, I mean, you know, he's, you know, Mike Squires. Right. The um here's the thing. I'm with you. Like in nineteen eighty four to eighty five, my senior year, let's just say my senior year, um, U two was my favorite band. So I'm right I'm I'm like I will follow I'm gonna say up through uh Unforgettable up Fire. Through, up through uh, up through October and that's it. 
That's it. Forget it. Mm-mm. Stop it at Gloria. Same album, you're done. Turn it off. Dunzo. Take a for it. No, um, no, but I mean, like, through I, I mean, I, I guess I, I, I was. This is not important. Why am I telling you this? I'm just trying. I'm trying to. Yeah, it's all the whole run. You got to get. You go through it. You get, Boy, October War, Unforgettable Fire, Joshua Tree. That whole run. What are you going to yell at in that run? There's nothing. That's no, it's all good. Also, under Blood Red Sky. Under Blood Red Sky. Also in there. Yeah, yeah. yeah you count the EPs. That's fine. Uh huh. And but you know, at first I was I was I was not into you two at all because circa 1980, diggity, probably two or three. No, 82. Let's call it 82. Because they were not well known here, and the video for Gloria was on way too often on MTV, with which I was obsessed at that yeah, time. So, somehow I missed that, as I was watching MTV it was from on the very so beginning. Much. I, you, you know where I was watching MTV, by the way? I think I Grandparents this House. Babysitters. Oh, Babysitters. At the Babysitters House. Yep. Anyway, it was, it was on all the time at the Babysitters House, from, from day one of like, hey, music television, right? We were right. all there, all the kids at the Babysitters House watching that. And like we're basically raised by it, and it was on all the time. But somehow I don't ever remember seeing the video for Gloria. I don't know how it was not on like after school. It was on later. But just in the service of saying, I then reverse engineered. So around the time War came out, of course I loved it, and I went back and I I think the the first thing I actually bought with money was probably my friend had a cassette of War that I listened to. But I feel like the first thing I bought with money was probably Under a Blood Red Sky. But no, I mean I then maybe the one of the first things I bought was Boy. And I really, really liked it. It was weird. It was almost gothic. It was clearly very influenced by, I don't want to say religion, but a spirituality and kind of, you know, bigness that would mark their work for a really long time. So that through, I loved Unforgettable Fire. That's the tour I saw them on. Uh, I loved, you know, Bad in particular. Um, yeah. And then I don't know, maybe it was me. I just, uh, I, don't, I mean, Joshua Tree's a good album. It's R.E.M. R.E.M. is a lot of what turns people off to U2. I love them both, but I can see if you get into the U2 and then you discover R.E.M., it's like, oh, well, forget U2 because R.E.M. is much more sophisticated. Uh, alter- are, you, are, you being, are you being sarcastic? No. Okay. I said this is a, it's a progression. Well, that was partly the case with me. Like, um, But... No, say your say your piece though. So you're right. We we probably we probably should have covered that. You know, it was just an yeah, ad hoc, or, or even just if you had mentioned it, it would have been an opportunity to see how, what does John. <sighs> I think, think it's I think it's pretty desperately overrated. I, I, what? I what the Joshua Tree? Yes. All right, so it is very highly rated. Like people people do say it's wonderful. So I can kind of start to get with you by saying, oh, like, somebody's going to be overrated. It's going to be the thing. like, oh, this is the best album ever. Blah blah blah. blah. But it's a fantastic album. It's a good right? album. Like I, I think it's, it's not just good. It's it's fantastic, right? And the Does problem with the it blue is, sky on it is that on there? Yes. Okay, that's a good song. It got so much praise and so much airplay that there has to be a backlash. But I feel like at this point it's wrapped around again, and now it's like, oh, Josh Drew's not as good as people say it is. And I feel like now we should be into the phase where people are like, no, actually, it's really good. I missed my window on it a little bit because, yeah, that was my my deep REM and like coming out of my hardcore period, but still very much into. Uh, REM and you don't care. But anyway, a bunch of bands. But no, then it came out and it was like, oh, now they wear hats and they look, they dress like hair. priests. They got, break. they got pre, they got priest outfits and like, and you know, the thing was you bookend this on the one hand with Unforgettable Fire over here, which is already getting a little silly. Like the video of them in the castle and everything. I don't understand why you're judging this music by the videos. I mean, no, the because videos I'm trying to put, pretty dire this is this historical, point. historical context. The historical right, context right. is, I think Rattle and Hum was a garbage fire and to prove that I was on the right track. Still some good songs in that album and I would defend the movie forever. But yeah, album wise, not their strongest. 
Didn't mean to bug you. And then the um, yeah. unforgettable <laughs> fire, though, it was it. It's a little. It's a little. I, I think you wouldn't disagree that that is where they became more strictly pretentious, and that's not always a bad thing. Oh, are you kidding, boy? It's not pretentious. Like they were pretentious the whole way through. It's soaring. It's not pretentious. It's oh, soaring. Right. It's not. It's not pretentious when you're if you're young enough. It's not pretentious. They were. It's your band. They were insufferable in the way that we love from mm, day one. Out of control. Oh, not a re- this is not a rebel song. Dun, 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 oh my god. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's great though. That's good. And then you got what? You got forty. On war, that's on war, right? Waiting yep. patiently for the Lord. Oh mm-hmm. man, U two is a very good band. They were a very, very good band. No, you know what it is? It's just me. It's not. It's not them. It's me. And I apologize. I gave them short shrift. Yeah, I, I, I see. I see the progression. That's why I think why videos are a factor because it's like you're not judging the music. You're judging. Do I want to be associated with this band? What is their image? What are they, What are they wearing? Not. No, that's not strictly true. Also, I did not. I did not yet have a CD player. And I, I had what at this point I had a boom box. This sounds stupid to say, but like the appliance or device that you have for listening to music combined with the media and access to that media that you have, you can't tell these kids today. Like it's impossible to explain how much the music I got often came out of who I could tape something off of. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, this yep. is... this is it's, Taping it's, off the radio is the original Napster. Yeah. That's, I got, I, I, every Saturday afternoon, I would just sit there listening to community mm-hmm. radio. I'd hit unpause. If I didn't like the song, I'd rewind and start over, and I would make my own mixtapes off live radio. Did that's I how... You, did I ever tell you the story of the, the summer I spent trying to re- get a clean recording of Matt, Billy Joel's Matter of Trust off the radio? <laughs> I don't care. Tell me again. Please tell know, me again. Do you know the song I'm talking about? Do you remember how that song starts? Now, see, now I got also got I got chemistry by Semisonic in my head again. It sounds so, is it kind of a vampy piano opening? The opening is a uh, countdown one, two, one, two, three, four. Okay. If you go start playing the song, I don't recall if there's any instrumental before the vocal of just one, and I wanted to hit play and record at the same time which is a move that we all know but kids these days don't understand Mm-mm. on my little transistor radio with a tape deck in it to catch the one and i got a lot of un oh, recordings no. or recordings of two i'm just sitting there at my desk i'm drawing i'm drawing pictures of dragons right yep. i'm sitting at my desk the radio's playing right <laughs> for hours at a time i love this image so much Sometimes the DJ would be like, and here's Billy Joel's Matter of Trust, and you know it's coming, you got some warning on it. Sometimes, as you know, the DJ would talk over the beginning of the song, which is hateful. And just to, clar- just to clarify, you're being, you're trying to thread a needle. Like, you not only want to get the one, you don't want DJ babble in front of it, correct? Nope. Otherwise, you just nope. let it run. You can't afford to right. just burn tape on that stuff. Oh, yeah. No, no. I'm, I'm doing, the tape is queued up to the next clear spot yeah. where I can fit a song. Yep. Right. And so that's, I'm sitting there going, and if I miss it, then I got to rewind, play, rewind, play to get it queued up to that exact spot again. Right. So I'm not even like, yeah, forget about runway. I can't just record. I, I have to p- slot this in, in the exact spot where it goes. So I can't just record and get the whole thing and then like splice it in after. This is, this is your Apollo mission. You get, you got, you got to get this right. There's no room for error. Yeah, it, it never occurred to me, uh, again, the original Napster, it never occurred to me at this point to buy music because I was still not in the phase where I was buying music. My parents had records. And I had things I taped off the radio, and that, as far as I was concerned, that was where music came from. Yep. Until, until Columbia House CD, but we've discussed that before. This episode of Reconcilable Differences is brought to you in part by Eero. 
never think about Wi-Fi again. Because our friends at Eero, they have created the dream Wi-Fi setup, a fast, reliable connection for every room in your house, even the backyard. If you're not on board yet with Eero's super slick Wi-Fi, now is the best time to join as they have just released dun, 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 their new second-generation devices. Alongside this new second-generation model, they're also introducing the Eero Beacon. I have one of these. I'll tell you about that in a minute. That allows you to build a Wi-Fi system that is perfectly tailored to your home. Every Eero component, this is crazy. You got to hear this. Every Eero component, from the finishes on the enclosures to the circuit board, is carefully sourced, assembled, and tested. This is the crazy part. Their manufacturing process rejects any performance flaw or any cosmetic defect larger than the tip of a needle. Jiminy Christmas, I cannot even see the tip of a needle. Thanks, Eero. Eero's proprietary True Mesh software is built to work perfectly with their hardware. Every system automatically updates about every couple weeks, so your performance is always getting better. And this new second-generation Eero has added a third 5 gigahertz radio, whatever that means, making it twice as fast as its predecessor. Twice as fast. And with its new thread radio, Eero can now connect to low-power devices such as locks, doorbells, other sensors, and more. Thanks, Eero. Now check this out. Eero also are introducing their new Eero Beacon. This is what I have. So uh, it's about half the size, but it's even more powerful than the first generation Eero. I'm going to go off script for a minute here. So this is really cool. You get this one, you know, uh, like a classic Eero sized unit, and you get these two like little boys. And, and all you got to do is you just go, you get your first guy set up, and then the other two, you just go and plug them into a, uh, an electric outlet somewhere. It's super cool. It's got an LED. It's got a, an ambient sensor, nightlight, which I love because I'm old and I have to pee sometimes and I don't want to fall in my hallway and my family discover me by the light of the Eero. Nobody wants that. It's so easy to do. Seriously, we're talking about like maybe like a 15-minute setup. It's so great. The Eero app, pretty awesome. Lets you manage your network from the palm of your hand. You can also easily create and share a guest network too. It's all inside the app. I'll tell you what else you can do. Here's a life hack. I went in and because I'm a lonely man who's broken inside, I spent an entire Friday night going in, naming all of my devices the way that I want. I have 24, don't be creepy. And, uh, and I gave them a little uh, custom emoji. And so it looks really cool. Now I open it up. If I want to go check the uh, Wi-Fi speed or rather the uh, uh, cable modem speed, I can do all that right inside the app. It's a great app. On top of it all, Eero has incredible customer support. You can call and get a hold of one of their Wi-Fi experts within 30 seconds. My goodness, that's fast. That's almost too fast. Now, listeners of this show can get free overnight shipping when you head over to Eero.com. That's E-E-R-O.com and use the promo code DIFFS. That's Eero.com, promo code DIFFS, D-I-F-F-S. That's going to get you free overnight shipping. Our thanks to Eero for supporting Reconcilable Differences and all of Relay FM. Yeah, you know, it is funny and like, ah, ha, 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 funny joke, like old guys, but like it is, the, but the truth is that not that anyone cares, but the way that you get into music is even just what, 30 years ago, is there's so many different factors and limitations that just simply don't exist anymore that I'm, I'm really, I'm still getting my head around. Like tonight, where was I? Oh, um, there's a really good MP3 blog I follow called Willfully Obscure where this guy puts up, you know, basically RARs of usually out of print stuff. And then will occasionally mention, you know, oh, here's this, um, very, very occasionally he'll say, oh, here's a new record for people who, you know, like the stuff I put up here, which I do. And he's like, oh, there's this new Chris Bell record. Chris Bell was the other guy in Big Star, one of my favorite bands, uh, that wasn't Alex Chilton. Um, and there's this new Chris Bell record of like all of Chris Bell's stuff from before Big Star. And, 
And I was like, oh my God, that's, this is epic. Like a new thing by Chris Bell coming out. Like this is a really big deal. This has happened like twice since the seventies. It happened once in 1992 and it happened again now. It's like, oh my God, this is huge. And I stopped for a minute and I go, hmm, I pop up Apple Music and it's just there and I can just listen to it. It's, it's just, it, I'm still getting my head around how last night I started working on a playlist based on that Roderick on the Line episode. And there hasn't been a song I can't find and listen to and add to a playlist and share on the internet freely. It's completely bananas. But you, you nailed it though. That thing with the radio, the radio being your conduit, your radio and your cassette, like that would be your passport. Like you now have the ability to do your own bespoke home recordings. And it was, it was such a huge deal. And you know, when I was, I started doing that like four, like recording radio shows, recording the TV, recording this episode of happy days. But you know, you still have the limitation of you only fit so much on this, you know, 46 minute tape or whatever. Anyway, I think that had such a huge influence on how I think about music and why I take it so stupidly seriously is because I had to take it seriously. I, I mean, in order to get into anything that wasn't just whatever is on the radio, you know, leaving out money, which I didn't have, it was going to be a focus on like, you know, just extreme levels of effort and curation in order to figure out what was going to make me happy. That gets into the whole payola thing that you were talking about, like the, the fact that so much of, you know, the songs that I know was influenced by what was on the radio and what was on the radio was not any kind of efficient system or meritocracy. It was entirely rigged. And so that's and that's why MTV was such a big deal, because it was a second completely rigged artificial source for uh, songs. But now there was like a new criteria, like if you had a cool video and you were white, you, you know, you'd be playing 24 hours a day. And so I had... Top oh, 40 radio, biggest, biggest uh, steps, yeah. Yeah. My, my parents' music, top 40 radio and MTV, like these three things that slowly came into my life to influence what I was going to be interested in and what I was going to hear. And oh, you're right today. It's like, there's nothing with that kind of influence in anybody's life. Spotify has all the music in the universe and it's all just about like sharing playlists and discovering things. And it's just, it must be daunting. Like I didn't have the option to discover all of this it took like a concerted effort like i'm going to discover like you know you know jazz or something you'd have to have like a friend who would like lend you a tape or some records yeah you need a shirt you need a sherpa you need somebody who can guide you through like this is the miles davis record to get well here's the other crazy thing like if we time traveled back to uh what is this the the bridge 1986 looks like he's playing guitar in the video if i time traveled back to 1986 and i and and we said to you hey hey, come with me if you want to live here's the thing um 30 years from now 31 years from now you are going to have access for basically the cost of one album in 1986. You are going to have access to almost every song that's ever been recorded to listen to however you want. And this is the weird part, wherever you want. So if you're on the bus, you're going to have something that's a lot like a Walkman, but you're going to have something that's a lot like a Walkman, but you will be able to get any audio that's ever been available. Now, if I ask you or me in 1986 about that, and you're going to predict, is this going to make people... um Will this be likely to breed an entire new breed, create an entire new breed of music super fans? Like, wouldn't you have guessed that that access would turn the entire nation into like music maniacs that were just consuming like entire runs of a band in a day that like you're just and you're going to just listen to new music? All Wouldn't you have guessed that that would be the trend is like a new breed of super fans? What was it the, the paradox of choice or whatever the the saying is for like no it's, it's too it's too much choice like I said it's it, when faced with that many possibilities it it makes it even more important to have some sort of guide and in general like it I don't, people 
like to listen to the same things over and over again, not just because they were like, that might've been a reasonable theory. Like, oh, people listen to the same things over and they just, they just don't know about new music. But when you're faced with all the music in the world, you still don't know about new music. Like picking a random song from the universe of music is very low probability of being pleasing. So you still need some kind of, you know, guidepost or like, that's why these social playlists and the, these, you know, quote unquote radio stations and other sort of curated lists where someone with taste tries to put things together. But it's a difficult problem. We got all the algorithms trying to figure out what kind of music you like. Like that's, I still think now human Sherpas and older siblings and, and even parents, I suppose are still filling that role much better than the technology we have. So like we mm-hmm. have, we have the place where you can get all the music to you, but picking from it is, is difficult. And in some ways it was, it was more refreshing to be told, essentially told what to look into by top 40 radio at MTV and your older siblings and your parents. Your, your Sherpa, your Sherpa makes you. Somebody takes the time to make you a mixtape and go like, well, like here's a whole bunch of punk rock songs, or here's a whole bunch yep. of jazz songs, like that. To have somebody give that to you and you go like, oh man, that one song. This happened to me in 1985. Again, talking about Ingvi Malmsteen. My friend made me this amazing mixtape of tons of pretty recent, mostly new wave of British heavy metal, like Iron, fairly recent, like Iron Maiden, Queensrÿche. But he also put on like Al Demiola, uh, some Ingve. Um, some Frank Zappa, uh, and I treasured that. And he put it on a really sweet, like uh, XL two, like a really nice Max L. It sounded great. And uh, but that was that was epic for me. That like whatever eighty five minutes of music is like there's that's music I still listen to today because I discovered it there. You know, it's it, you imprint on it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I still have my uh, you know I have you know the tape cases like a long vertical thing. Yeah, like a thing you get at Peaches, like a, a box you'd put all your yeah, tapes it in. Yeah, like zips closed, but you'd peel oh, yeah, off sure, the zip sure. cover mm-hmm. and then it is a bunch of tapes. Anyway, I had one of those that was all my mixtapes. This was back uh, by the time I was driving, right? So when I drive around, our car had a tape deck and I made, I filled the whole thing with tapes, uh, which were basically just playlists, I guess you would call them, of my own music that at this point, it's music that I own. It was like taping off CD at this point. And I still have all those tapes, and I should like go through them and see what the track. Sometimes they're like trackless, sometimes I didn't. But those order and those songs, just hearing them driving around for all the time, you know, from when I got my license until basically when I when I left home or when I stopped having cars with the tape deck. That you know, the reason I saved that it's 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 very influential. That was like the mixtapes that I give myself. But yeah, for, for other yeah, people yeah, giving yeah. them to you, I guess people still do it by sharing sharing Spotify playlists with each other but. yeah but i mean like this was real time you had to sit there with your with your two decks or if you had a record player or a cd player but but i mean to this day when i hear last weekend by lloyd cole and the commotions i immediately i expect a slightly yeah. longer than normal pause followed by how soon is now by the smiths because that's mm-hmm. the first time i ever heard it was on this recording off of the radio on a saturday morning so like to this day i expect that to ring out for there to be a long pause because i've done some jiggery pokery and then boom, 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 you know I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if I'd, uh, I don't know if I'd trade it, you know? I'd probably trade it. Yeah, me too. I, I still think that, I still think the Sherpas are all still there. It's just now that they, there's, you know, they're different and they're more distributed, but. But it's, it's like you're living in like a buffet of like, yeah, this buffet of like music and porn. It's just like every, you know, everything you could ever conceivably want is out there. And you're right. It's, it's still. But, but there's still like, you, you need the Sherpas to see your corner. Like I remember when I, Again, I was very late bloomer on music, too. The, the first, I think I told, told the story before, like when I went to college, it's the first time I discovered what a B-side was. Because I thought I had heard, or maybe it was a little bit before then, but like I thought I had heard all everything that you two 
had available. And then right. someone's like, oh, well, did you hear the B-side in this whatever single? I'm like, A, what's a single? And B, what's, <laughs> what's a B-side? Because B-side? <laughs> they're like, there's this music. Like, Haven't you heard this U2 song? I'm like, that's not a U2 song. I've heard every U2 song. That's not a, I have all their albums, and I've heard all the songs on all their albums. What is this song? It sounds like them. Uh, and that was, you know, that's the type of thing that you you still need a shirt before now, I bet. Because if people are just like wandering through and just, you know, picking a band and just looking for the hits or the songs that their friends are listening to, like they don't even listen to the entire album anymore because there's, you know, the album concept is gone. At least at least when we got albums, you had, you'd go through the whole album because like, hey, I paid for the whole album. Might as well listen to every yeah, track. Like, like what's an album? It's like, it's like thinking that like, uh, you know, oh, you know, I can't have one Coke. I have to drink a six pack. Like it's so strange to people, I think. I just Googled <laughs> for uh, 1987 in music. And at least in my returns, yours will vary. My first return is U2. Yeah, I got to say, that's the, was get the, the, cards. Was the year of U2. Like, it was, it was, yeah. Number two is uh, White was, Snake. Number two is White Snake. <laughs> White Snake. All right. <laughs> Take them down slow and easy. You got Fleetwood Mac, Los Lobos, T'Pau. <laughs> what do I know from White Snake? What was their biggest hit? Oh, God. White Snake had that. They, they, uh, they got into power Rocky ballads. Like a hurricane? Was that White Snake? No, that's uh, Scorpions. They they had um, <laughs> they got into power ballads. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. What is Most of the Boast of Powell, Bon Jovi, Atlantic Star, Pet Shop Boys, Guns N' Roses, uh, Def Leppard, and then Rem. Oh, Club Nouveau. I remember them. Music is fun, John. It brings me so much joy. It really, It still really, really does. Yeah, uh, for the for the Infinite Buffet music, though, I was going to say is that it's still not true for me because I have a lot of video game music, and that stuff is not on the streaming service. Oh, really? Yeah, especially, and or, or if there's anything on the streaming service, it's like, oh, yeah, no, we have the music from the game X. And it's like, no, you don't understand. Like, there is the music as it sounded when you were playing the game. So very often that is like a direct recording of the, the, the bleeps and bloops the, the, you know, Nintendo Entertainment System made or whatever. There is... 25 different remixes of that there's a symphonic recording then there's the later symphonic recording like this there is no you know that we're so far away from that that you that no version of most video game stuff is uh, is on any streaming playlist or if there is a version it's just like one very popular symphonic version but we're nowhere near like oh like no streaming service has basically my, everything in my iTunes collection. Not that I have that much video game music, you know, maybe a couple, couple hundred tracks. Yeah, but there's enough enough like little edge cases. Yeah, yeah. That it's not that there, and I bet that's the same is true for people who are into other genres or like if you're a fish fan. Like it's like, well, oh, we have fish. It's like, well, yeah, you have the album or something, but, you, but that's not what fish is to me. It's the eight million live recordings, and if you don't have all of them, then you don't have fish as far as I'm concerned. Well, so. it's, a, it's a little bit like saying, like, you know, you call up 7-Eleven and say, do you have sewing supplies? And they say, yes. And you mm-hmm. show up, and it's that one little singer red box with the clear lid that's got the little needles and the needle thread, and you're like, well, no, that that's very different from, like, going to a yeah a full, yeah, same deal. And, and it's just basically saying, like, oh, you have access to every song that's ever recorded, but you don't. Like the, and, and just from my little corner of the world, I'm sure there's a million other little corners there. It's a long tail, right? So, Yes. I mean, I, I see no reason why streaming services can't scoop that stuff up because, you know, whatever. It's not it's not that popular and it's not like the people who have the rights are holding out for the big bucks for it. Just just needs to get on there. It's like it's not no one cares enough about it to even get it on there. So my local iTunes collection, you know, now uploaded with iTunes Match or whatever, is still the most important source of a lot of my music. Or even just like we're talking about the lame is things. How annoying would it be for me to find the one or two versions of these particular songs that I like out of all the other ones you know, the metadata could be crappy and I got to listen to the 20 of them to find the one I want. And then right. it's easier just to, you know, 
have my music. Have my own music. It is uh last thing on this um for me anyway. Um one thing that is funny is like, yeah, so oh, this is such a long this is so boring. I was spacing well basically at one point during the that Roderick on the line, John was talking about um this band. There was oh remember there was a band and there was this guy and it was like he had his hat pulled down over his eyes and that was like his whole shit. Yeah, I, I couldn't think of what that band was either. You guys didn't ever figure it out. Did yeah, you? one of uh somebody on Twitter uh reminded me it's probably New Radicals. Mm, um, I wouldn't have got that. Yeah, you know that song, you got the music in you. Yeah. Yep. Uh, yep, yep. Uh, which is like a pretty good song. And then for some reason I heard that and then I thought that reminded me of Semisonic, who has a couple songs I like. I love that song, Closing Time, and I love that song, Chemistry. And so, and, but it's funny how like there's still these pretty dusty corners in Apple Music. It's surprising the Delta, okay, so on the one hand, you've got the bands that have the full complement of like, they have tons of albums. Maybe it's somebody even like, they might be giants where they've got tons of like iTunes specific stuff, but like everything, all the deluxe versions, like it's like this with R.E.M., and of course, then you've also got the playlists. You got the essentials, you got the deeper cuts, you got, you might have like, surprisingly, sometimes there'll be several playlists for this band, which I love, you know, because those are pretty well curated usually. Um, and you'll see what I mean in a second. And then you, you drill down a little further, they got all the songs. But then I go, I go into Semi Sonic and it's like, oh, it was such a ghetto. On the one hand, like in the song section where it reveals just a few songs, all of the songs were closing time <laughs> from that's different. That's all you need. Well, yeah, like the algo. You just you just need the one best track from uh, from Pink Floyd's The Wall. You don't right? have to go home, but you can stay here. Have you ever you ever seen the video explaining that song? I think I've talked to you about it before. Maybe I don't remember. Put it in the show notes for okay. for the for the listeners. I don't want to say anything more about. It. Everyone knows that song. Oh wait a minute! Like I, yes, you did yes. a very long time ago. You did. Yeah, That's yeah, a really I mean, good maybe song. I just sent, it wasn't on a podcast. Anyway, we should put it in the show notes anyway. If, People who don't know where the shots are, they should go get it. I like that period of, I don't, I don't, I don't know if you can just credit this just to Ben Folds and his uh, people who came after him. I love Ben Folds, but um, but I love that piano driven like '90s pop music. I like it a lot. It was a nice, it was a nice way to get the hell away from like freaking Oasis. Never liked Oasis, but anyhow, it was funny. It's funny sometimes. Hmm, music is good. And sometimes the metadata is messed up. I want to go find some T.W. Walsh. I go and look on some look up T.W. Walsh. He's a pal of uh, Dave Bazan's. He's a really good singer songwriter producer, and like he has under there under like three different names, like with periods, without periods, like ugh, such a mess. But do you do you do, you do Apple Music, right? I don't. I don't you do, do Spotify. I no, I don't do any streaming services. I did Apple Music during the free trial period, but then I got really scared that it was going to mess with my music too much. So when the trial period ex- expired, I didn't renew it. I do iTunes Match, so I can have my music everywhere, but it's still right. just my music. And my, I kind of wish I could do Apple Music. Maybe I will eventually. Apple probably forced me to because if they ever take away iTunes Match, I will basically do it. Don't yeah. tell them that. Yeah, um, yeah I won't. Th- when I had Apple Music, I did discover some new music, and all the new music I discovered, I bought on iTunes. You're kidding. And so when I stopped. Playing for uh, paying for Apple Music, I still had the you know seven new tracks that I had pulled from there, and and some you know new artists that I discovered that I later went back and got more stuff from. But you know, so I think it was it was useful for me to do. It did help me discover more music, but I was I was afraid of of bugs and metadata corruption and it replacing my carefully selected songs with subtly different. Ugh, don't even, that with don't like, even get me started. It's couple, so frustrating. Like, but a couple of uh, my mysterious ways versions got replaced with a slightly alternate take, which no one would notice except for me. But I have, you know, I have all this music on CD up in the attic somewhere. So I didn't like lose it, lose it. I could go back up and re-rip the track from my original thing, but it annoyed me. It's, it's, it's maddening because you don't 
when you discover it has happened, it has it's gotten better, but who knows what's still out there from the bad times. The one that nipped me hard immediately the first time I, I checked was that my copy of the blueprint had gotten replaced by the clean version in my version. In <laughs> um they fooled me, Jerry. The um the uh my my match version of, of the Jay-Z album, the blueprint, was the clean version. I was like, what the F is this? Like who uh who does this? Made me super mad. They fixed it. But like then there were there was there's other ones like this though. Anyway, everybody knows this, but it is yeah, it's like all these things. It's like Siri or any of the stuff. Where once you introduce a little bit of doubt or potential like anxiety about loss, you know, it's not too long until like you either abandon ship or you just stop caring. And that's neither of those is a particularly bright pattern. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, like the I I need to have the thing where my music is on all my devices, but if I can do that without doing the streaming and Spotify, like I I did that for a little while too, to see what that was like. And it was just too, I didn't like the clients and it just didn't. Me neither. You gross. That, uh, that icon. Uh, Listen, let's, let's close your loop here. Uh, have, have we stipulated, have you stipulated for the record that Joshua tree, that's, is that your, is that your favorite YouTube album? We've talked about this on past shows. I feel like we did. I did an episode of what was it? Inquisitive. Yeah. Mike's ever-changing podcast, Mike Hurley, where he... He's always reinventing himself. Now he likes yellow. It used to be orange. Now he likes mm-hmm. yellow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, this was the run of Inquisitive where he was asking people about, uh, talk about their favorite albums. And my favorite YouTube album was Unfreightable Fire. I think The Joshua Tree is probably YouTube's best album, but I picked Octong Baby because it was kind of right. like, yes. like their most important album. Mm-hmm. Uh, the highest degree of difficulty. I also think it was an amazing album. It's is that Mysterious my... Ways? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so... Those are my top three U2 albums, and the order they go in is weird. Unforgettable Fire is not U2's best album, but it's my sentimental favorite for like personal, you know, time in my life and hearing it type reasons. It's one. Of, it's also one of those albums that I really associate it with not just the year it came out, being my senior year, but with the time it came out. I feel like it came out in the fall, but like I, I just the, the feeling of uh, the sort of homecoming. Is that the first song? Mm-hmm. And, yeah. Is that and you know it's time to go? Is that it? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, that was, it was just so perfectly in the pocket for a certain kind of moody autumnal feel. It really nailed that feeling for me and like made, I just imprinted on that very, very personally. I don't know, man. I think that's a good album. I mean, is there anything terrible? Is there anything terrible on there? Is it, you know, it's like, it's got a lot of flabby. Is it Elvis Presley in America? Is that on there? Yeah, yeah. MLK is like, you know, uh, Fourth of uh, July, yeah. Indian Summer Sky. It's it just, you yeah. know, it's not it's not the strongest album, and the production is very washed out, and it's a lot of Eno going on there, and like those are some of the things I like about it that the sort of imperfect gauzy mix. <gasps> sort of Homecoming the, the, also has the um the send that da dum It's got the yep the yep. sampler on it. Oh yeah, Wire. This is this is a good album, John. Well, I mean, and also you I mean Under Blue Sky. This is another reason you like this because it was tracks from uh. Uh, yeah, well, but it, it has sort of homecoming and uh, and bad on it as well, right? Did it? Or no, I'm, th- I'm thinking of White American America. Sorry, sorry, wrong yeah, idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Under Blood Red Sky. I just remember being real scarred when he took his shirt off at that concert. It's very troubling to me. This episode of Reconcilable Differences is brought to you in part by Squarespace. Enter the offer code Diffs at checkout. That'll get you ten percent off your first purchase. Team, please make your next move with Squarespace. Because Squarespace lets you easily create a website for your next idea, 
and get a unique domain, award-winning templates, and so much more. You know, whatever it is you want to make. Maybe you want an online store. Yep, got it. A portfolio, check. A blog, it's all in there because Squarespace is an all-in-one platform. Let's you do whatever you need to do. There's nothing to install, new patches to worry about, new upgrades needed. You don't have to worry about any of that junk because Squarespace has got you covered. They have award-winning, 24 by 7 customer support if you need help. You might need help. Some people need help. Fortunately, Squarespace is really super easy to use. And they let you quickly and easily grab a unique domain name. Please name your thing. It's important that your thing have a name. And all of those award-winning templates are just beautifully designed for you to show off your great ideas. Hey, Look, you know me, I've been with Squarespace ugh, since Christ was a corporal. I mean, I tell people about my ungainly X-Men meetups, my comic meetups, uh, it is where uh, John Roderick and I uh, host Roderick on the Line, the podcast. That's the website. It's got the episodes or audio is up and running there. Images I grab off the internet, it's all on Squarespace. I just, I love it to death. And I think you will too. The crazy part is that Squarespace plans start at a very reasonable $12 American per month. You can start a free trial right now with no credit card required. You just go to squarespace.com. And when you decide to sign up, please use the very special offer code DIFFS. That's D-I-F-F-S. That's going to get you 10% off your first purchase. And yes, I'm not going to lie to you. It will also show your support for Reconcilable Differences. Our thanks to Squarespace for supporting Reconcilable Differences and all of Relay FM. Squarespace. Make your next move. Make your next website. Boy, I wish I bought a shirt. I wish I'd gone on that. I wish I'd been there on that tour and bought that cool shirt. They had the best shirt that year. They had this cool sleeveless button-up shirt that said "You 2 on the back, and it was so boss. Do you remember that shirt? I do not. See, here's the thing about it. You're, you're living the Unforgettable Fire like in real time. I'm going backwards in time from it, from the release of Octung Baby to discover Unforgettable Fire. Like, that's how. Wow. Because I'm, you know, so much younger than you. So much younger and more vital. Um, mm-hmm. so, <laughs> don't take a nap in the middle of the day. Wow, 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 uh, wow. Don't need any Zatarans. Uh, so, <laughs> so yeah, so that I'm I'm not discovering it in time. Like, I, you know, Octung Baby was my first U2 album that I purchased, and then I traveled in both directions simultaneously, backwards and forwards, to, to you know, to, to exhaust my U2 knowledge. Yeah, you're Billy Pilgrim. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, look at that. Look at that shirt. <sighs> Give me, oh, give me a picture cool. of the shirt. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think. Is this which tour? Is this? I a fire tour? Well, I feel like yeah. Okay, you remember that iconic shirt? The U two says U two war tour. Just just do U two war tour shirt, and you get the white flag. And then there's one of Bono here wearing that shirt because he's that guy, and it's it's got that he's got that sleeveless shirt. That was a cool shirt. Oh, this is a great shirt. It's got Sparky on it. This is so cool. Why do I wait? Do I remember that his name was Sparky? I think I just remember that the kid's name is Sparky. You two wore her. I see the shirt with the big flag on it. I don't remember that because, yeah. again, I was not yeah. following you two at this point. Yeah, so it goes. Do you feel, um, are you satisfied with your care? Yeah, no, you just need to you need to uh, br- bring up uh, you two with John at the next opportunity. Hmm. We got to get you back on there. I was never on there. Well, we. I mean, we need... Oh, Jesus Christ. Why do I do any of these shows? Why? Why... What are you frustrated about? I was never on that show. But, well, the point I'm trying to make, God, it's like talking to my wife. You're not hearing what I'm trying to say. You're hearing my words. Don't listen to my words. Listen to what I'm trying to say. Uh-huh, uh-huh. We did the program. Are they yeah. ever going to release that where we can put it somewhere? No, it's a special members only whatever thing. Hmm. If you join up on the, uh, what are we on, Relay? You join up on the Relay Network. <laughs> shut, shut your mouth. You join up on the Relay Network and you can hear the great, awesome skiing episode. 
uh, when John Roddick was on our program. I just think you and you and John should, uh, you might be able to cheer him up a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's my forte. Mm. So I'm going to get a seltzer and I, I don't need to pee. Closing time. Okay, this is our interregnum. Intermission. Ah, Godfrey Daniel. Alexa, unstub toe. <laughs> Unbreak my heart. Say you love me again. Say you love me again, yep. Now, who is that? Who sings that? Who Tony sings Braxton. That? Oh, Tony Braxton. That's a good song. That's a good song. Ah, <laughs> Unbreak my heart, mate. You break your heart. <laughs> <laughs> Knee deep in the hoopla. <sighs> Let's see. What was that other line? Oh, Marconi plays the mambo. Listen yeah. to the radio. Marconi plays the mambo. I, I, I always heard that as while well, Tony plays the mambo. Um, Marconi uh, is credited. I understand. He, he's heavily credited guy. with yeah. inventing the radio, and mm-hmm. but the Got mambo it. is a snake. It is not a dance. Right, but it doesn't matter because I will always hear while Tony. Listen, that's, while Tony what I, that's what plays I heard that. when the first 8,000 <laughs> times I heard that song on the radio. Did you know there's a name for that? There's an official name. The misheard, misheard lyrics, misheard, misheard, lyrics that you... misheard things. It's called a Mondegreen. Sure. Um, and it's got a funny origin. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Um, Mondegreen, M O N D E G R E E N. I'll put it in show notes. Mondegreen. A Mondegreen is a mishearing or misinterpretation of a phrase as a result of near homophony. Homophony. I'm going to go with homophony in a way that gives it a new meaning. Mondegreens are off, most often caused by a person listening to a poem or a song. The listener being able to clearly hear a lyric. Blah, 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 blah. American writer Sylvia Wright coined the term in 1954, writing about how, as a girl, she had misheard the lyric and laid him on the green in a Scottish ballad as and Lady Mondegreen. <laughs> Isn't that kind of great? Yeah, I like the fact that the origin and description of this are based on homophones of like phrases and words that sound the same when in for, for our lives it's really based on the fact that michael stipe can't enunciate and the lyrics make no sense anyway like, words, or, words sound just, like uh what is it words sound like other words what is it words sound like each other <laughs> words sound like each other why couldn't they get it right it's so obvious i don't, I don't know i don't know how the way they couldn't get it right um <laughs> it eventually i think it's final form it eventually morphed into completely um uh, because they can't get their own bits right yeah, no, it was uh, words that sound like other words. I'm That's, pretty sure okay. it's the, fi- yeah. the final form that it mutated into. But anyway, yeah, like I, I mean, that was that was my first my first big website was U2 Lyrics website, which I was know. all about the fact that they mumble and it's hard to understand them. And they and, and REM, they, you know, they had nothing uh. on REM. REM was the worst about REM was like you didn't have anything to hang your hat on. You couldn't be like, does this sentence make sense? No, I'm, I'm up no, to pie on Katie Bars of Kitchen Signs, but not me in. Is that what it is? I don't no. know. If I had to run a, an REM lyrics website, I would have just, you know, it's, there's no there's no winning there. Because, because so many people, so many REM listeners, like, they have their own version of it, and theirs is just as valid as yours, and then Michael Stipe doesn't even know what the hell he said, and he changes the lyrics every time he says it live, and it's, it's hopeless. I, I said this to Anthony when we did the um, Unjustly Maligned uh, special episode on the February 29th episode last year. Um, even when you know the real lyrics we were talking about, like, it still doesn't make a ton of sense. They crowded... I uh, remember this one. They crowded up to Lennon with their noses worn off. A handshake is worthy, but it's all that you've got. It's like they crowded up to Lennon with their noses worn off. At least off. those are complete sentences. Like, I mean, I, I bet if you, this is a fun thing that everyone could do. Write down your versions of End of the World as We Love It. No, just write, write down. Leonard you know, Bernstein. Your, <laughs> yeah, write down. That's the only part everybody knows. Right. Uh, this is enunciated. 
everyone has their own. It could be used as like a as you know instead of fingerprint or face recognition, your, your password would be your interpretation of the lyrics of that song because we all have things that we say in our head during the but. It, they don't match up with each you know other. You know that term, like fair play, like um, I think that's, I think that's the term. What is it they call it? Like when you're writing a mystery, like a you know, a fair play mystery, where yeah, like yeah, yeah. there's certain yeah. rules to say that, like you could figure it out if you if if you uh, were careful. Like there's no yeah, there's no tricks or switch them ups or yeah. like it turned out yeah, um yeah. So <laughs> sitting still, this name I got. We all this name I got. We all were green. You know the song, right? Not one of my uh, most well. I know I know that the track you're talking about, but I could not recite my lyrics from it. Let's see, sitting still. So this, this I'm not going to sing it. This name I got. We all were green. Were green. She could stop, stop. It will red. We could bind it in the cyst. We could gather through a fit up to par. And Katie buys a kitchen size, but not me in. Sit and try for the big key. A waste of time. Sitting still. Where are you reading this from? Some mm, crappy Play. lyrics website that's not right? Okay, all right. Let's go to Genius. Which one do you trust most? This is the thing. You, there are no lyrics you can trust on the web now that my YouTube lyrics Oh, my God. Oh, my God. It's totally different at Genius. As I'm saying, you cannot, you cannot trust. Well, here's the, here's the best thing about those things. You can't trust the liner notes. There's, I know. You'd buy these things, and they would come with pieces of paper. Like, the, the you know, the band's own album would come with pieces of paper with lyrics printed on them, and those lyrics were not what's that in the song. That could have been the admin, like listening to a cassette. Right. Who knows who it is? Or maybe it's a version of the song they didn't release, or right. maybe it's someone listening to it and trying to transcribe it. After the fact, they were, sometimes they were just demonstratively wrong. Like, just, there would be choruses that weren't there, verses that are not included at all, and you're like, okay, well, this is out of sync with it. But other times, it just looked like somebody who was, uh, you know, Lady Montegreening it or whatever. <laughs> it just, just like the album was done, they're pressing yeah. it, and someone sits there and listens to it, and they type a bunch of stuff without okay. talking to the band at all. And then the problem with a lot of these people is, like, they don't write their lyrics down. They don't know what they said on the album. And when they do it live, they say something entirely different. Anyway. Michael Stipe does that. Michael Stipe deliberately uh, Bono changes. Bono has his own live versions of everything. He's always mm-hmm. he's changing everything around. All the, from like from day one on like the tour promoting that album. Like it's like you know what? When I do it live, I'm going to say this instead. Okay, here we go. Here's the genius version. So you heard the previous one from Google Play. This is genius. This name I got. We all agreed. She could stop, stop it. Well, rid. <laughs> we could bind it in the scythe. We could gather, throw a fit, up to par, and Katie bars, the kitchen signs but not me in, set a trap for love. Big kill. Don't waste your time sitting still. See, and here's the problem. We get we we Skype in we Skype in Michael Stipe right now. We Skype him okay, in okay, and we say, What are the lyrics of that song? He doesn't know because when he when he sings it live, he has to have the lyrics in front of him because he doesn't even remember. And what lyrics does he have in front of him? God only knows. He's probably printing them off the, the website too. So it's coming all around. So he's doing a live performance oh, no. if they weren't already. Oh, you think up. so? Oh my well, goodness! I, mean, I don't know if they were still touring with him, but I I do know that he reads from lyrics because he can't remember the lyrics to his songs, and he certainly doesn't remember what the hell he recorded in nineteen eighty whatever. You have a very dark epistemology of the human mind, is what I want to say to you. you, 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 you you've you're, seen you're, Michael Stipe read from lyrics. I understand he does concerts, that right? thing. He's, he's grown a beard, and then he's got that thing where you got a music stand, right? No, yeah, but that, and that's not that's not recent. It's not like oh, when he got old. No, he's been doing that for or he's doing that for many many years. And you know, I don't blame him. Like he's mm. got a lot of songs, and he doesn't yeah. remember what the hell he's he busy said. Guy, Sometimes busy he's just, guy. Yeah, he's just mumbling and and whatever into a microphone he doesn't remember what he said and they recorded mm. it and now he's got to go in front of people and sing mm. it he doesn't want to look at them he doesn't have eye contact so he looks down at the floor the whole time and mumbles mm. the song and he doesn't remember the lyrics either and it's embarrassing for him not to remember them so he prints them out there's a problem feathers iron 
Was it, do I know that from memory? There's bargain a problem. building. Bargain building. Some weights, weights and pulleys. And pulleys weather hits the, the ground, ground before the weight can leave the air. That would be a nice then. Yeah. <laughs> Buy this guy and sell this guy. Yeah. Yeah. Leave this guy and tell this guy. Yeah. Don't follow me. It's a good one. But he enunciates in that one. And you got Mike Mills. You got Mike Mills in there with the up in the air for long. Yeah. What is it up in the air for? What is it up in the air for long? Beside yourself. uh, See, they're wrong. These are just wrong lyrics. Why are these up here? There are no no right lyrics in this song. That's the problem. There are no right lyrics. What's the song? Someone needs to find Michael Stipe and just sit down with him and just be like, we're going to hammer this out and we're just going to decide officially. Like what you think we you We gotta said. sit this guy down. Lawakawan and her two sons, Pressure Storm, doing try now. to move. He doesn't have a band anymore, no. right? No, no, he's probably doing philanthropies. Pressure Storm, try to move. No more emotion you bound. You uh, Michael Stipe and, and John Malkovich mixed up? Yeah, sure. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I didn't used to. I didn't used to. I think I think that Stipe's the one who's becoming more Malkovich. Malkovich, Malkovich. Yeah, yeah. Stipe is Stipe by Malkovich. Yeah, that's true. Mm. Although now, so you get Stipe Malkovich. Now put a big beard on Stipe and he gets letterman like Letterman with a beardy. Oh my God, a little bit Jesse Thorne too. A little bit Jesse Thorne Rasputin. Stipe, the Stipe Malkovich Lennon, uh, Letterman triangle is strong. Mm. It's like the Triforce. You get, the, you get the three of them in a room. Yep. That's a show. That's a podcast. Why aren't they doing a podcast? They're, they're all not doing anything right now. Now you got to stew. I have noticed a thing about you um, that you take care of things. And <laughs> by, the, by the way, that's, that's I take one care of, the, of one things. Of, what, what, one of the great conversation openings uh i have noticed a thing about you things always always go swimmingly after that opener just sit down next to someone you care about <laughs> wait give me and, the exact what's the exact what's the exact quote <laughs> the opening gambit i have noticed a thing about you <laughs> dot 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 the person's <clears throat> head turns slowly oh go on i've noticed a thing about you hi i've noticed that I've noticed a thing about you, which is that you like to take care of things, by which I mean you take care of the things that you own. Uh, examples I've uh, written down in this text file include your paperbacks, where you have not cracked the spines, even on your silver million. You, um, you notice, I remember you said various times, you notice things like scratches on your Mac when it comes back. You, you see, like, I'm not trying to make this about like, oh, John's a pill. It's more like you notice these things and it matters to you. And so I want to talk about how and why you got the, that way to where it means a lot to you to take care of things because it feels like it feels like there's an element of practicality and aesthetics, but it feels much more like a core value. Like there's something basically important to you about keeping your things nice, whether that's your toys as a kid, you know, it could be like your blaster or your Luke arm or like whatever. My blaster, it, you know, I didn't have a blaster. Come on. Remember when mom took away all my guns? Oh, hippie. I wanted that blaster so much. I might buy myself a blaster. I want that blaster. But it seems like, um, so anyway, jump in anywhere. How did this start? Where did this come from? And in as much as you're interested in discussing, why? when did you first start really taking care of your stuff? And where does that come from? I was trying to think when, when I look at my, how my children treat their belongings. I'm like, when, when do my genes kick in? <laughs> Not front, front. So I was trying to think of what age was I when I started taking care of things. I don't have that much of a memory of not taking care of things. I do have a memory of losing my stormtrooper when we moved from uh, one house to another, uh, right around the time my brother was born. I left uh, my, my stormtrooper didn't make the move. I also lost the Viper, Battlestar Galactica Viper. That was very upsetting to me. But that's losing things. It's not really taking care of. Them. I don't think I was taking care of my toys that well. A lot of my Star Wars toys, not that well taken care of. Um, so maybe around 1980, 
started to take better care of my things. And I think it's mostly just genetic. Like, I, I, I get it from, I mostly get it from my father's father because, or my father's mother, because their house, by the time, you know, I went over there, they're my grandparents, their house was like a museum. Like everything was just in exactly the right place. I completely need. Did they did they uh, cover the furniture? Did not cover the furniture. They, by this point, they were living in a, uh, I guess, like a condo type, or you know, like wasn't an old people community. Like a, assisted was, living. Um, no, it's not assisted living. It was it was a it was the house they moved into after they were retired. So it was a nicer house than they had raised their children in, but it was not made for children. Right, it just had like one bedroom. It was uh, unfortunately it was two stories, which was turned out to be not a great thing when they were in their eighties, but. Mm. Uh, but it was very neat, like no clutter anywhere. All the things were in particular places and positions. And you go back there year after year and they'd be in the same place. It's just everything pristine. I love that. That's, I mean, it's off topic, but that not that nice? That sense of like, like I made my, I made, remember my, my grandma was sick at that, that same grandma. I made her this like Play-Doh Snow White when I was like five. And when we cleaned out her house in like 1987, she still had that thing like held together with needles in exactly the same place on the fireplace. It's so comforting. Yeah, and, and they both had good taste. I don't know who was the decorator or whatever, but it was lots of, you know, not a lot of clutter, not a lot of things, period. They weren't the type of grandparents had little doodads and tchotchkes everywhere. It was, you know, very clean. It was like select pieces of art. My grandfather did was a painter, so it was some paintings that he did there. They had a piano. They had a couple of sculptures. They had a couple of things that their their children had made. Um Everything very neat and tidy in its place. I don't know if that influenced me seeing that, or, or but I, mostly it's probably just those genes passing down from that side of the family to me to make me want to have that type of situation. Now, obviously, I can't achieve that. I couldn't achieve that that well when I was a teenager because I was inherently like a messy teenager, teenager like everyone else. You know, clothes not really in the hamper all the time, bed never made, whole nine yards. But I would have a bookshelf and things on my wall, like posters and comics that i cut out of the newspaper which is a thing that i did and my own pictures and i had shelves over my desk i had a desk with drawers the drawers inside the drawers was a total mess but you close them uh but on the shelves were my little dungeons and dragons pewter miniatures which i love all nicely arranged and my plastic models of airplanes that i made and did you did you like paint like ralph partha figures i didn't paint them i wanted i left them unpainted unpainted pewter miniatures wow Um, i love those things I had a couple of lead miniatures and tried painting a few of them, and I was like, "Yeah, no." I tried that with like generic, like that generic, like testers paint. It was so bad. Yeah, those things were amazing. No, I, I still love Ralph Partha pewter miniatures. Some of those are great. Um, I still I still have them somewhere up in my attic. I'm afraid to take them out because they'll get destroyed. Wow, I had such I had a cool ranger. I had a great cleric. Ah, oh, they're so great. I loved the little tiny ninja with this tiny little sword that was like impossible to keep from being destroyed. But mine was it in bends pretty, so easy, yeah. pretty pristine condition until my younger brother uh, super glued them to my wooden shelves as revenge for some slight. Oh no, he was the worst. Um, <laughs> I, so I have my models up there, my my airplane models that that they was those were painted, and my my Robotech toys, like they were all sort of arranged in a. No, they were they were on display. And they were carefully arranged. My books, of course, nicely arranged in the shelves. Eventually, my computer magazines, nicely arranged, and the the breaking of the bindings and stuff like that's kind of, that era it, uh, is where I think about me taking care of my things and the place where that starts for me and started back then as well is not so much that once you have the things, but like even the acquiring of the things, mm-hmm. I guess maybe it's in the book 
the realm of books where I tell this to my kids now and they probably all think I'm crazy because I don't think either one of them got my genes uh, for this, but who knows. When you go to a store to buy something and it's it's a commodity, right? Like a book, paperback book. And mm-hmm. uh, you're at the bookstore, which was a thing we used to have. And on the shelf are 15 copies of that book. And they're all the same. So they're all exactly the same price. Pick the best one. Because some of them have a nick in the corner. Some of them are bent. Some of them have the binding already broken. Some of them have a cover that's folded over. Some of them have one page that was cut weird. Why would you ever take that one? They're all exactly the same price. Pick the best one. Pick the one that looks pristine. Pick the one that's not dented. Doesn't have a scratch on it. Doesn't have a smudge. Doesn't have a little piece of oil. Doesn't doesn't have one corner that's cut the wrong way. Doesn't have the spine broken because someone picked it up. Why would, Why in the world would you pick that one? Always pick the best one. It's like when you go to the store to get milk, like pick the one with the latest expiration date. It right. annoys people, but like what they all cost the same amount of money. There's one is not cheaper than the other. Uh, I suppose your time is worth something, so you don't want to be spending an hour looking at expiration dates. But if they're all lined up on the shelf for the book, pick out the nicest one. It takes two seconds to just go, but but that one. Um, that's where it starts. Uh, and, and that you know what I'm trying to do is avoid the discomfort I feel when something that I own is damaged in some way, something that I care about. So books with the paperbacks, you know. Some paperbacks look really nice. They have cool covers, wraparound cover things on them, whatever. When you break them, they look gross. Um, trying to read a book without breaking the binding is annoying, but it's a technique that I picked up. Most people, it's, it's too annoying. It's like well, the whole point of a paperback is I'm supposed to, you know, trash it and just bend it, and I'm supposed to break the binding. But I like books as as objects in addition to the words in them, mm-hmm. uh, which is why I love ebooks so much because it's a book whose binding you can't possibly break. And then I just, as my shelves sold up, I just stopped buying paper books. But no, I still, I still buy paper books occasionally for for the the collection values. Like we were talking about before of uh, some people who like shoes, like as an item in and of themselves, not right. even on your right, feet, right. right? I like books that way, like just as as objects, as items. I have books. I would like, I would read a book, I have the paperback, and I would read it, and I would buy three more hardcover versions of that book. Like there's some books I have multiple multiple copies of really? that I've never that I've never read. Like I have a leather brown hitchhiker's guide. Actually, I did read that one once. But you know, I read hitchhiker's guide like in the library in middle school. All those books in the, in the five part trilogy, um, and then I bought my own paperbacks, and then I bought a leather bound version. I did actually read all of them. Lord of the Rings. I have my the, my prized possession is the what I think is the best printing of Lord of the Rings uh, trilogy in a single volume. That is in pretty good condition. I did actually read it twice uh, in this giant hardcover. When I read it, I didn't have the dust jacket on it. But this is another thing of like finding the best one. This was a hundred and fifty dollar book in whatever it was, like the eighties or something. Maybe yeah, maybe early nineties. Uh, it was difficult to find a pristine version of that anywhere. But I got the best one I could. I took the dust jacket off when I was reading it, and now I look at it and I, I see there's some there's some little nicks on the dust jacket. But anyway, that that is my my favorite book. But I have other copies of Lord of the Rings in the entire volume. I have one that matches a copy of The Hobbit that I have. Again, I'm I'm getting these as just items, right? Right. And the value of the, those items, yeah, it's the, it's the words is in them and the fact that I like those books or whatever. But it's it's the items themselves. It's, it's like it's like comic books. Condition. It's all about condition. Like if you if I have my leather bound Hitchhiker's Guide but there's a big gash in the middle of it or like white paint spilled on it, that becomes less valuable because its value as an object is in part due to its condition. Um, do, you think of yourself, do you think of yourself as a collector of things? Or like yeah, a curator things. of things? 
Yeah, yeah, like I, I did have collections of things. Like they were, you know, usually not exhaustive collections. Although I, at one point my YouTube CD collection was fairly exhausted because once I did discover singles, I, you know, when I was, but this is my work at college where I could actually get access to these things. Um, at one point I had like everything YouTube had ever released on CD, every single, every B side, every album, every alternate version, uh, the whole nine yards. It was difficult to sustain that, but most of my collections are not exhaustive. They're just like collection of things that I like. And I want the collection to be nicely arranged and displayed and in, and in good condition. Um, for other stuff that you were talking about, like computers, like, I don't know. I mean, the, the Apple aesthetic and a lot of the aesthetics of this hardware uh, or like television or even just like game consoles and stuff. The aesthetic is not, we've talked about this on ATP and other podcasts. It's not the type of thing where it looks better as it gets worn, like a pair of jeans or like leather boots would, right? Mm-hmm. They have a particular aesthetic where it's like the that kind of like that idea of, the of, a, of a patina that this thing's going to get better. Yeah, yeah. Or, or like the the, the the damage is part of the the beauty of it, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, when you make something out of completely featureless matte aluminum, it's not made like adding scratches to it does not enhance the beauty. And, and maybe you could say if you add a bazillion scratches to it. You get into you cross over to the other side and add something to it, but one or two scratches along this beautiful, clean, featureless surface or something, not great. And a lot of electronics are made like that, um, where damage doesn't damage doesn't enhance the look in any particular way. Um, some people go, you know, you can you can do it yourself. Say, well, I'm going to be a sticker person. I'm going to put stickers all over my stuff. That's a different aesthetic, and then you can kind of get away with some damage because it does add to it. Like if you have a hundred stickers and a bunch of chipped edges, yeah, like it's you know that's okay, but. That's usually not how they're designed in the first place. Well, it's kind of it's kind of like a, like a skateboard, right? I mean, that that's part of the yeah. aesthetic is that kind of beat up, like worn in um, feeling. Yeah, and so that's I mean, I'm not like that with all my stuff. Obviously, you can't be if you have kids, and the number of things that I can keep in any reasonable condition is shrinking. Even my poor computer that I try to keep pristine <laughs> got hit with a vacuum cleaner and got like a a nick on the front of it, a pretty deep nick that that like down to the shiny metal. Uh, I mean, you know, what can you do? Like, you have to just having kids is a great way to get you to let go of <laughs> your hangups. It's like you just you physically can't do so many things, and one of those things is keep your stuff nice. Uh, so I let go of what I have to, uh, and I hold on to what I can, and I do try to keep, you know, my books and my DVDs and Blu-rays reasonably neatly aligned uh, on my shelves and organized the way I like them, and I do care about those things as objects above and beyond just the things on like I have so many DVDs uh, or video game containers displayed that, you know, I never take those things out. I would like they're especially if they're just DVDs. I don't, if I don't have the Blu-ray for it, I'm just going to watch like a digital version of it anyway. Right. 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 Either a rip from, from that very same DVD or get a higher quality, high definition one on like iTunes or something. But the DVD thing in the case itself still has value to me because it's got a, a neat cover or a neat spine or it, it makes a nice flow in my rows of, of movies that I'm looking at on my shelves or whatever. I think if I live by myself, I would start my house would look, start to look more like my grandparents' house. Like there would be fewer things and not too much on surfaces and everything neatly arranged. Right. Um, but that would be a house that is not hospitable to other people, let alone children. But no, that's not that's not the life I'm I'm living right now. You don't seem to have much in the way of this because the few brief images I've seen of the office you're sitting in now did not look like a place with a bunch of things neatly arranged. You have a bunch of stuff and you have collections of things, but they're I'm not gonna say they're haphazard, 
but they are no 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 it's they're it's, not carefully it's displayed like in a museum no i've never been like that i'm much closer to the next bullet point for a future topic which is liking things to be a certain way um so like for example i really like notebooks and a thing that's difficult to explain to my daughter who thinks all the notebooks should be hers when she wants them is that like, these are notebooks. I don't want to say I collect them, but when I see a notebook that I really like, uh, that I fancy, I'll pick it up. And then that goes in this box full of these notebooks that I have. I have some at work, I have some at home and I'll occasionally say to her, Hey, you know, if you want a sketchbook, you can go through and pick out, you know, like, like, a like a mole skin is no skin off my teeth or whatever. But like my special one where every page is a different kind of graph paper, like, nah, and it's got like engineering, uh, statistics in it and stuff like that. Like, no, that one's mine. I'm more that way. Um, but no, I'm not as, I'm not a collector in that particular way. So what belonging, belonging or belongings do you have that you most fiercely protect from damage? I don't have many things that are highly valuable. It's much more practical. Um, like my pencil sharpener stays on a very high shelf. And she, if she wants to, she's lost all of the hundreds of pencil sharpeners, the nice, the cum long tip, like nice pencil sharpeners that I bought her. She's lost, she loses all of them naturally. She's a kid. And like, if she wants to use a special purple one that has the super special extra bit on the side for mechanical pencil sharpening, like she has to ask, (laughs) I lend it to her. And then I, I watch her empty it and hand it back and say, thank you. Totally practical. It's just that I'm tired of buying pencil sharpeners. In that case, that's very purely. But you're not, you're mostly just protecting the functionality. Like not, it's not dull. It's not, you know, it doesn't have weird stuff jammed into it. And I'm going to, I think I'm going to get to this in the next round of questioning with you because, you know, the motivation and the emotions that you have about undertaking these kinds of things are, are what interests me also. Where look, so I'm trying to think like stuff for me, I've, I've lost so much stuff in life, like just to like age and like water damage and whatever that I don't have that many things where I would be heartbroken. Uh, I mean, like, for example, this is really dorky, but I have a handful, like as in like probably fewer than 10 comic books that have been signed by like creators and people that I personally love. So like, you know, I, I don't know if my daughter appreciates it, but like the... FF number one, Scotty Young, baby variant cover signed by Matt Fraction is one of my favorite things in the world. You know, it's, it's inscribed to Eleanor from my favorite comic writer and one of my favorite people, like into her with a personal message and her name. And like, I think she thinks it's kind of cool, but that would go in the pile with everything else. So I keep that aside, like on a high shelf, but even stuff like every time I see our yearbooks someplace apart from all in one place, I think I really should, not that it matters, but that's the kind of thing where I should get better about putting those all into one place. Most of mine, honestly, are practical. And, and I don't want to make it into a, a strictly into a bit because it does shade into the liking things a certain way topic. But for me, it really is more along the lines of my wallet always goes here. My wallet is not to be joked with. My keys are not to be used for a pulley. Like I, I have to just draw the line at certain practical things. There's not even that many. I don't think there's that many things that I feel. I'm going to think about it more while you're saying your piece, but I can't think of that many things that I am that careful about. So the comic book, like obviously you want to keep that comic book because it's a signed comic book. I have a lot of signed books too, by the way. Um, hmm. Although I'm not, I'm not as attached to them. It's all very often. I feel like the signature is like damage to the book, but you know, a couple of them, <laughs> yeah. a couple of them I, ha- I have signs. Like if I had my way, I would have one pristine copy of the book and a signed copy of that very same book. Um, all about that. <laughs> I have some of those. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But for your signed thing, you don't want it to go away, but are you p- 
paranoid about like, oh, someone dog-eared a page or a drop of water landed on the cover of that Scotty Young thing, even if it didn't damage the signature or whatever, it's just like now it has a water spot. Like, are you protecting them in that way of like, that can't be like out on the table. Don't put your drink down on my on my thing because it's not just the fact that you have it and it's signed, but the but the condition. Like, do you care about the no, condition? No, there. I mean, th- those are all bagged and boarded, but they're. But honestly, if those went away tomorrow, I'd be okay. I really would. I mean, it's it's something where like also. There's a funny phenomenon in our house, and I've, I've tried to explain this to our daughter, and I know I've explained this to you, but, you know, once a month, a glass of milk is dumped somewhere, because that's just the thing that happens, because a kid drinks milk. I think <laughs> my daughter, I must not have told you, she's on, a, she's on a milk run, I think the past four or five days in a row, yeah, she has spilled milk oh, at no. the dinner table. And so after day two, I switched she's growing. to growing. She's probably she's probably gawky. She's she's becoming a young woman and her body's probably out of control. After day two, I switched her to the biggest cups with the widest bottom, the lowest Get wide. Tippy. Get her a little tippy cup. Yeah, they're glass, actually. You know, they're big glass, but it's like it's like a tumbler, right? It's like yeah, a big right. wide thing. I'm like, there's no way you can spill these. She didn't, then she knocked over her like to, to defeat that, she knocked over her cereal bowl full of milk. <laughs> making it so I had to wash not only the placemat but also uh, the tablecloth. My daughter Amazing dumped over an entire spilling, bowl. Yes, my daughter dumped this, over this an entire is, this bowl is why you of rice. Nice things if you have children. This is not. This is not a, a you know. This is a, a, a nine year old. Yeah, my daughter knocked over an entire thing of rice. Like her and rice. Like I, 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 I gotta stop saying personal things. But like when she eats rice, it goes everywhere. I don't know what it is about rice in particular. <laughs> it's like a, it's, it's like all a threshing over her. machine. It's all over like wherever she's sitting. It's, it's like on like the dropping f- rice into a wood chipper. <laughs> it's like a Steve Buscemi type situation. But um, no, to, to this though, and so here's here's the softer side of Merlin, is like I'll say to her, look, you know, I'll, I will bug her constantly about, wait a minute, stop. Think about where you just put that glass of water. Like, and then of course I'm running through this array in my head of all the things. Well, don't put glasses of water near the sound bar near the TV, for example, for a variety of reasons. I'm sure John Syracuse has a policy on this, but like if that's where it's going to be for a second, well... <laughs> Do you want it there? Is that really where you want it? Because there's all kinds of ways that could go wrong. Not least of which is you could just spill it all over the Sonos bar, but it could also be like you just forget it there because it's not the usual place you put it. Now we got stinky milk by the TV. No. But the thing I always say to her is like, you know, and this only comes up when something does get spilled. And she actually doesn't spill stuff or make messes, like make big messes. I mean, she's a little kid. This is her job. She's supposed to be making messes. So, I mean, you bear that in mind. But it's also that, like, as soon as anything goes wrong, maybe this is my dopamine deficiency, I become ridiculously calm. And I would like to think ridiculously sympathetic. And I say, hey, look, don't worry. This is really okay. This is really, really not a problem. All we got to do is grab a towel, and clean this up, and it's going to be fine. <laughs> of course, your teeth, your bottom teeth are touching your type te- top teeth the entire time <laughs> you're saying this. No, actually not. <laughs> Honestly, and I, and I tell her the same thing every time. I say, look... This is the funny thing, and I know I've told you this, but I, I said this is the funny thing about your mom and me is that we will bug you a hundred times a day to n- not do a thing that causes something that could be prevented from happening. But when that thing's hap- thing happens, I want to always, I want you to know like that that's okay and we'll take care of it. And that's that's the best I got. That's really the best I got. And that attitude, which I honestly really do believe in, um, has led me to where you know, just my stuff's going to get messed up. Like stuff's going to get scrawled on. Stuff's going to get lost. I mean, the ink has now like worn off my sign, Steve Garvey baseball over the years. Like there's all kinds of little things where you're like, Oh, that's just a thing. Like that's, you know, but honestly, there's not that many things that I'm that 
worked. I do really discourage ball games or any large gross movements beyond a small dance party anywhere near the TV. Mm-hmm. Even though our TV is really gross and old and broken and needs to be replaced, uh, I still have this thing. Like our, our screen is in pretty good condition because I'm totally like, don't touch the screen guy. But like, that's the kind of thing we're like, no, we just, you know, that's a nice thing that we have, even if it's not as nice as it used to be. And we're not going to replace that if, or, you know, actually we probably will, but you know, that's the kind of thing where like, that's, that's something we need to take care of. That's community property. But that's really, that, I think that's mostly it. Speaking of the TV, like children have caused me to retreat back from the number of things I protect and sort of to regroup and like muster my men around the, <laughs> the important items and the TV you mentioned before, like the drink by the <laughs> sound bar on the TV. Right, you get ret- retreating, retreating into Winterfell, Winterfell, and saving what you can. <laughs> kind of like when I talked about the place where I put my phone, and you talked about the place where you put your wallet. Like I have a few things. I can only enforce a few things. <laughs> and even and, then, it's so simple, John. You just want an area the size of your phone. That's really mm-hmm. all that you're asking. So the TV area is one area where I sort of like retreated and uh, defended. It's like my last stand. The TV area is a no-fly zone. No, uh, I'm sure my kids <laughs> love it. When, like, their friends come over and they get too close to my TV, and I'm like, come come away from the TV. Like, not only do you not put things on the TV entertainment center stand or whatever. Oh, it's like the Mona only, Lisa. It's like you, you've got, like, a yeah. perimeter. Yeah, there is a perimeter. Like, forget about it. No one, no one has ever, no child, I'm pretty sure no child has ever touched my television screen. I'm pretty sure no adult has ever touched my There's TV. no need to be near a TV anymore. Like, the closest you'll get is, like, you got you were playing Wii, and you got closer than I would like. There's no need to touch a TV ever anymore unless you're changing cords. Cables. And there's no need for anyone to touch any of the things that are in the TV stand. Like, they don't get they don't get near the TV. There's, like, a three-foot radius. Of it. There's no re- They don't want to be over there. It's not like there's tempting things over there or whatever. But I defend the television area and everything that's on it. My TiVo, my receiver, all my game consoles, all that entirely defended from all human beings. In the room we're in now, to my right, are my two big bookshelves with all my books on them. Kids don't touch those. When they were toddlers, unfortunately, I had to sacrifice the bottom two shelves to be kid shelves because they can reach them. And I just, I could not, I could not defend them. It was, it was impossible to, to, uh, to keep those areas. You know, so I had, I had to sacrifice some bottom shelves, but in exchange, the top shelves, no one touches those, no one touches my stuff. And finally, where all my movies are stacked, all my DVDs and Blu-rays ordered the way I want them. I don't have all the shelves, but I have a bunch of the shelves. Mm-hmm. Kids don't touch those either, and adults shouldn't touch them either. So, and and that's that is a defensible perimeter for you, yeah, I mean, as, as far ba- as you know. Barely, barely. I like it, eternal vigilance is the price of, yeah. but, but I can't. You know, obviously, that's a way smaller set than like all my stuff. My stuff is everywhere in the house, and, and but I, you know, you just draw. You got to pick your battles, and so you draw the lines where they're drawn. You raise kids in a house where no one goes near the television. And it's fine. They don't care. There's not, like I said, there's nothing exciting by the television that they want to get to. They just understand that it's not done. And if they're jumping around, no jumping around in the room no of the TV around. because we have an old <laughs> house and the floors shake and I see the television start to wobble and I go, nope, nope, nope. <laughs> okay. outside. I, I got to ask you uh, what I've been leading up to this whole time. And hopefully this will be an interesting thing for you to answer. Because uh, I honestly don't know the answer to this. So you are the way that you are. You like certain things to be a certain way and you like to keep your things nice. Does that process of specifically like organizing things, putting it together, getting it the way you want, like there's the, these sort of active part of like getting things 
in a certain place. But then there's just a huge amount of like low level baseline protecting the stuff that goes on that for me feels extremely stressful, right? There's the whole like, well, I do the best I can, but stuff happens, right? But like, it's almost like you're, you're almost like in like a uh, secret service, like protecting the president. Like all day long, it seems in my head, like it must be a very stressful affair. So I guess in however you want to answer it, does feeling the way you feel or believing the way you believe, is this a good thing for you or a bad thing for you? Do you, do you like taking care of your things or do you feel like it's a burden or as you think about setting aside even the TV, but like the spines on the books, is it that you get happiness out of having not cracked spines? Um, does it cause you stress to worry about the spine getting cracked at some point? Wait, how do you feel about how you are? Well, it does make me happy to have non-cracked spines. And some of them are cracked, by the way, because like it took a long time to learn how to read a very thick paperback without cracking the spine. So some of them are cracked and I, they're on the shelf. I don't, you know, it's their signs of me learning how to do it. <laughs> um, I like I like them being displayed with uh, without being damaged. Like it, it is a, a little bit of a battle sometimes because I have so many books and they're stacked like multi-level levels deep. And sometimes it's difficult to find ways to arrange them so they don't slowly damage themselves over time. You know how they like sag. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of my big magazines, computer magazines are sagging and there's nothing I can really do about it. But I'm always thinking about it. I can find a way to solve that. But but in general, it doesn't cause me stress because I'm, I'm all about preemption. Like I... You know, pre- I can preemption see, or precaution. Like I can see the sequence of events that will lead five minutes from now to someone doing something and falling into my television set, right? And <laughs> right, so right, 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 I'm not right, going right. to tell them right as they're roughhousing near the TV to stop it. It's way. It's just I, I'll do that. Like you know, seven moves ahead of that, where they're thinking about going. Let's do whatever in the television room, and it's like, no, don't. Do not begin that activity there because you think you're going to be playing a board game and you'll be gathered around it. But really what will happen is someone will rock backwards and the room is, you know, like do it at the kitchen table, right? You so, know what the warning, one of the warning shots, one of the warning shots is kid goes to a carnival or similar. Like most of the things that a kid comes home with from a carnival are things that could damage the TV. Have you ever noticed this? Like it's a paddle ball game. Yeah, it's it's balloons, yeah. balloons, but like there's going to be new stuff mostly worried about the kids bodies and the kids getting hurt too. I have glass shelves on my on my like TV stand. I don't want the back of their head going into the edge of a glass shelf like and it's a metal stand and it's just it's just bad all around, right? So preempt that. Don't you know, don't try to defend the perimeter like just keep the kids out of that room like or you know, don't if they're going to do any activity where they're standing and jumping and running, it doesn't take place there. Like take it to another room. And so I, but it's not yeah, and that's like for a kid's birthday party, you know, for my, for my kids in their house, they don't, it's no problem at all. Like you set down the rules, they understand them, they follow them. It's just, you know, what's the same way? Like about when we grew up, we all had a room either in our parents' house or some relative's house where you aren't allowed to go. Kids aren't allowed in grandma's dining room. I was just thinking about that. That's that, like when I was asking you about your, was it your grandparents and like whether they covered the furniture? Like I, I remember going to the houses and my grandparents were, my grandparents were kind of like that. They did the runners. You ever been in a runner house? where you've got the plastic in front of the door and like you've got like paths that you walk down. I haven't seen that. I've seen plastic on the furniture, but I haven't seen the runners. Well, it's a real, <laughs> I'm not going to say anything racist about your people, but it's, it's <laughs> a lot of the Catholic Italian families did this. They would have the covered furniture with the plastic that nobody was allowed to sit on. And then my grandparents, who were, who were of course, great whites, they, they had the runner. So you get, you know what I'm talking about? You get this plastic thing that goes from the door like basically the family room, it's a piece of plastic, three feet wide, right? Maybe about 10 feet long with little nub- nubbins on the bottom that grab the rug. 
And the hilarious part was... Oh, yeah. No, no. I know what you're talking about now. Okay, yeah. I don't know what the term is. We call it a runner. But the, the, the hilarious part was Christmas and Easter, because it was a special occasion for Jesus, they would take up the runner. And, and you can, see can, the little holes where the little hummets went in. <laughs> you saw little holes. Yep, no, and I you know. saw a nine-foot rectangle of clean amongst the mm-hmm. life. And it always seemed so weird to me. It was so weird. But, like, you only sat on... You sat in that room very occasionally. It was... That was not a room... That was a room that was there mainly to not be used by design. It was almost like a, it was a very Christian thing in some ways. It was almost like a sanctuary. It was a Holy of Holies. It was there. The the thing that made it special was that it wasn't used. Yeah. I mean, my my grandparents had a room like that. that We didn't go in. I didn't go in until I think it was like in my mid (laughs) twenties. It was like when we were like, wow, it's just, there was no, you know, the rules, you don't go in the room. There was no reason to be in the room. It was a boring room and no one else was ever in that room. And so there was no reason to go in the room. And it's just, it was perfectly fine to, to follow that rule. And so that, that applies to a lot of things. And again, you can't have a whole house like that. You just got to pick your places and pick your battles and have people understand the rules. And, uh, you know, it's generally not a cause of stress. Although, uh, talking about uh, my car, which is another one of those things where I would like oh, it to be pristine. Oh, God, with those, what is it, acorns? What is it that falls on your car? Yeah, I got the acorns. I mean, yeah. we mostly tried to deal with that. Like, that was kind of like we discovered it by the fact that it had happened, and then it's like too late, and you got to live with it. But, you know, I had my car is, what, four years old now, three years old, but it was new, and it was shiny, and I liked it, and I would like it to be pristine. But you got to drive cars, and, you know, New England winters are not nice to cars, and my car was black, and my kids scraped their bicycle handlebars along the side of it because we have a narrow driveway. And, you know, you do what you can. And I, what did I do? I scraped uh, my front bumper on on a rock at the end of our driveway trying to cut the wheel too quickly when it was snowing you know and you're trying to like the, our oh. roads are so sort of narrowed by the plows and i'm like oh i gotta start cutting the wheel early and then you know a rock hidden under the snow scrapes comes the thing i think it was the first damage i i touched the curb with one of my wheels uh most recently i was going to the apple store to return something they have this big giant metal barrier in the the garage that i scraped my front bumper on my car it loves white paint and it's like that's me doing stuff to my own car and it's just tiny minor little scratches um, oh yeah, two weeks after I got the car, I came back out of work and uh, to drive it away and saw that whoever was parked next to me, I must have had a white car and they left a big streak of their paint on my oh, door. Oh no. Um, what can you do? Like you can't, although we have talked about this somewhere else, like I don't understand how some people keep their car so pristine. I guess they just don't drive them. But if you've got to drive your car and you've got to park along with everybody else and fight for parking spots at work and, you know, just your car is going to get messed up and pains me a little bit but not as much as if i had like a ferrari <laughs> like that mm-hmm. i would and i probably wouldn't drive it as much but like this is my utilitarian car and it's going to get scratched up or whatever but um i found that eventually i really do have my limit because right now my car is at the body shop getting purely cosmetic work done to it all those scratches i was like all right if you get enough scratches on the same body panel then it seems like a bargain because like they have to repaint the whole panel right so it's like well i'm not going to do it for this one scratch these two scratches, these three scratches, but you get seven scratches now there. And one of them it. is one yeah. of them is pretty big. You're like, you know what? Just tell me how much it would cost <laughs> to make my car whole again. And you know that that will feel. I'm, I'm assuming this is the first time I've ever got cosmetic body work done to any of my cars. Normally, I just let them get destroyed and cracked and scratched until we eventually get rid of them. Got to get it out to auto Botox. Yeah, I was like, let's let's see how this goes. Uh, I'll pay you a bunch of money and you make my car look nice again, and then I'll inevitably just scrape it up on more stuff uh but briefly i'll feel better about it so this is the first time i've ever put real money towards 
restoring a sense of that good feeling that you're talking about? Like, do you feel yeah. good having yeah, uncracked yeah, yeah. bindings? Do you feel good having a car that doesn't have scratches on it? I, I fulfill a lot better when my car does not have. You're making me think a funny thought, which is like, long story short, uh, when my wife and I got together and we were both working on the peninsula, we realized we needed a car. So we bought a car. We didn't get a great deal. It was an old car. We, it was older than we thought it had been like we, we did everything wrong, but we had this, this dumb black Jetta that I really liked. Um, but it was very primitive. It was a, like a bottom, bottom end mid nineties Jetta. It was very affordable for us. We paid it off. Uh, but it was, it was pretty beat up. There's all kinds of things wrong with it. My wife does like nice things much more than me. And she was the one mainly driving this thing around. But here's the funny part with me is I felt a real resistance to getting rid of it, not out of sentimentality. I mean, there's some sentimentality. Like this is, we brought the baby home in this car. There's, you know, you can't help but have some of that. But no, you know what it was mainly? It's the opposite. It was the like, I love that this car is paid for. I love not having to make a car payment. Car payments just to me are just like, that's so malignant. I hate the idea of a car payment. And uh, it just bugs me. It feels dumb to be paying over time for a stupid car. I hate cars. But this thing was paid for and it was beat up. It was great. It was like you could not go wrong with the if something if somebody ran into the side of our car, it'd be like, fine, fine. Like we could have a showdown in a parking lot and I would not blink. Because like a monster. I love having a car that you don't have to worry about. That's but part do you of do, it. Though? Like, I, I know you maybe not care about having a little scratch, but someone dents the side of your door. You can drive around and one of those people drives around in a car with a giant dent in the, the door. Not giant. As long as the door could close, I don't want like a Bob Parr injury. Well, as long as it can close, that's a pretty that's a pretty low bar. <laughs> I don't know something amazing, I guess. <laughs> um, but no, to me, and I'm not trying to be controversial or contradictory or anything here. It's just that you know, paid for, it's done. Like it's got a really sweet cassette deck in it. Like it totally works. And uh, that to me, because I'm thinking about like that feeling of you remember in a different time. You ever have to do a cash deposit, like you work somewhere and you got to do a cash deposit and you're walking around with, you know, $1,800 in one of those bags, that horrible feeling. I never had $1,800 in any bag. Well, no, but like doing it for work or something, like when a bar no, closes. I never did it. Like, I okay, but, but you, you can, you can imagine the feeling of yeah. having a lot more cash than usual. I saw, I saw those bags at the register at Mandy, but I never had one. <laughs> Mandy. <laughs> love what you say, Mandy. So I think it still, I think it still exists. I think really? Was, I think it's, it's a chain. Yeah. But eh, the thing is, nothing has changed about your life. You are walking the same place. You always walk in the same way that you Oh, There's nothing different. The world does not see you any differently, except for the fact that you know there's $1,800 in cash tucked into your pants, which is a horrible. That feeling is so awful and just weighs on you. And like to me, that's like having a car. Like you're making a payment on a car, and it's got to stay nice, especially if it's a lease. And it's just like I mean, I know, but like the cars don't. I mean, that's the thing about the cars. Like even if it's a lease or whatever, like there's some allowance for just like wear and tear. It's not that big a deal. It's just you know, it's I mean, black cars and I imagine white cars. It's worse than if you have a more you know neutral colored car. Just, like <laughs> you don't. Generally, you don't want the car to touch other cars or other no, things. No, no, and no, so no. And I'm not, minor, and I'm not just, you, you don't think I'm criticizing, right? You don't, you don't take this. No, no, no. Okay. I, I think what you're getting as like, you like the the relief of not having to worry about minor things because it's paid for and no one else is going to care about it and you don't care about it. And it's a relief because if you had a shiny new car, you'd be worried about scratching it. But I get the impression that you'd be worried about scratching it because you feel some obligation to some external thing rather than for me, it's totally intrinsic, intrinsic of like, intrinsic. I'm yeah, worried yeah. about 
scratching it for me, right? I yeah. like the nice thing. And so there, there would be some relief, if, you know, ignorance is bliss and not ever worrying about the condition of any of your things is probably more relaxing than being concerned about oh, anything. Oh, I would have to imagine. Yes, absolutely. But like my grandparents collected Yadros, excuse me, my grandparents collected Hummels, uh, Hummel figurines. My mm-hmm. grandmother collected Yadros. Like we were the whitest what, white I, people. I, I, I don't know what Yadro. I know what Hummels are. I don't know what Yadro. Double L-A-D-R-O. They're pretty trashy. I've never heard of these things. Yeah, I see what, I've seen things like this. I didn't know there was a name. Yeah, my uncle would buy these for my aunt. But, you know, when my, when my grandmother passed, like, she had a big collection of, like, original Hummels. But, like, you know, and I think I had probably broken one of them when I was a kid. I mean, that's just this is just but, a part but yeah, of... But you have no occasion to touch them, and they're in a glass case usually anyway, and you're not allowed in the room that they're in, and so usually it's, you know, you're clear. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't... I don't disrespect. I'm not dissing people like like you who have this feeling about things. Right, but what I was going to say is that you don't have a choice in that. Like, oh, wouldn't it be better if you didn't care about the condition of any of your things? Wouldn't that be more relaxed? Like, yeah, but you don't get to choose. Well, that. it's like this old bit. Like, we made a joke a million years ago. And you look nice today. I think Simpson made a joke about like when you got very long nails, and it's like it's almost like like a woman with very very long nails. It's like it's almost like foot binding. It's like the reason you have these long nails is almost to like telegraph that you don't have to. You know, you're not digging in the ground with your hands, right? It's like part of this, part of the value. <laughs> you're, also not, you're also not dialing phones. I guess not. I got, I got to watch that Claws show. I heard it's good. But it's, uh, anyway, I'm just trying to say like, that's part of it also is like, it's a form of existential conspicuous consumption, which I guess is just conspicuous consumption. But it's a way of saying like, I've got this stuff and it doesn't break. You know what I mean? Like this, it doesn't get stolen. It doesn't break. It, it's a form of like uh, decorative potlatch to be able to have stuff like that around and go, yeah, I raised six kids and lived in the suburbs and I still have all my Yadros. Well, I mean, but it's the, it's the ultimate luxury. Like, again, I think it's on the upcoming ATP where it talked about like people, rich people's cars, it costs, you know, 300 grand and how mm-hmm. beautiful and pristine they look. And it's like, how, how is that possible? Um, and I've also talked about like, oh, if you had, if you had a million dollars, you got your Ferrari, what Ferrari, your dreams, what did you get? I'm like, well, I can't, I can't get a Ferrari until I get a place to put it. Like you can't have yeah. a Ferrari and then park it in your, garage next to the recycling and the rakes and you know like <laughs> parking your ferrari by the rakes <laughs> yeah like <laughs> cause, right cause, so you need like you need to have the house with the five car climate controlled garage this with nothing, with nothing this in it. is how they get you and and yep. so that's like so if you have a bunch of nice things it probably also means you have a place to have a bunch of nice things which means you have enough space to have nice things to keep away from the non-nice things like rich people who have both beautiful pristine carpets and seven giant hound dogs like because they have a giant house and the dogs have their own wing right and they have a staff that cleans them right and so when they see the dog it is like freshly uh like jetson style like perfumed and washed and blow-dried right uh and then it goes out and plays (laughs) in the mud right you know having at a certain point having any nice things is is a luxury and then having a whole bunch of nice things that other people find difficult to keep nice is, is continuing to show, look at how, look at how much, uh, you know, how much money and time and what a staff I have to be able to do this type of things. Me, you know, me trying to keep my paperbacks like shows that I don't, I don't have a roof that leaks, which is a luxury that <laughs> many people don't have, but it means there's no water coming into my house because right. if it was, it would have long since destroyed all my books. Right. right. And so it's, a, it's, a, it's all along a continuum. Um, but there are just as many people in houses with leaky roofs and five screaming kids who feel exactly the same way I do about keeping things pristine. It's just like you can only do what you can do. So we're all we're all, you know, 
victims of our own circumstance, but we're also given dealt a, a hand of cards, genetically speaking, uh, to, to be the type of person who cares or doesn't care about order and neatness and condition. And it's just a question of how we deal with how we deal with our own demon dogs. But also, you know, before this age of affluenza, I think about my grandparents and the kind of not not hard scrabble. I mean, they weren't minors, but they did make it through the depression and, you know, the war and all that kind of stuff. And I think there was very much probably this sense, and I bet you had this in your family, like a Levittown kind of feeling of like, well, this is the picture we have of grandpa. Like, this is the one piece of pottery that made it over from Poland. You know what I mean? Those kinds of things where you're like, this is this is special. This is irreplaceable. This is This does not have the same kind of like transferred value and importance that I put onto this particular edition of Lord and the Rings that I've made happily intrinsically arbitrarily valuable to me it's more like no this is this is part of our history this is part of our past like we have to it is we are charged with taking care of this thing you know what i mean like that's a different kind of feeling than what that's that's all another i think i mentioned this before another podcast as well is one of my one of my attractions to computers and digital things because digital holds the promise of of immutability holds the promise of like uh the condition doesn't worsen yeah, Unlike perfect vinyl, sound forever. When you, yeah. yeah, when you play it, it doesn't you know doesn't get worse, which is why bit rot is like you know the revenge of the analog world invading technology. But in general, like the, the digital world gives me an opportunity to have and maintain order in a durable way, uh, because you know the, like for our family photos, uh, they're all you know at this point. Yeah, almost, triple... all, almost almost all of them are digital, yeah. and you got a bazillion backups and bit rot aside, which is a thing you do have to deal with. Is way safer than the one picture in my case of, of my, you know my great grandparents. I have a couple pictures of them, and we've since scanned them. But from my whole childhood, they were sitting in a frame in the family thing, like the the black and white photos, basically. Like you got the color photos of your relatives that you've ever seen, and then you got the black and white photos of people wearing funny clothes who you've never met who are long since dead, and that's all you've got. Like there are no negatives, there are these prints, and that's how many there are. And in the days before digital, you're like, well, yep, guard that picture, because you know it's valuable. It wasn't valuable to me because I never met that person, and they were funny hats. <laughs> <They're> totally <laughs> dead. It's, it's valuable to somebody, and there's no backup. But then in the digital age comes, and we digitize all that stuff, and it's like, well, now suddenly that picture that used to be super valuable is less valuable because we have a high resolution scan that's backed up in umpteen million places, and and bit rot aside, again, it's not getting any worse over time, and so. If the house floods or burns down, you lose that picture. We're, you know, we're less bothered by it. Now, it's not quite as easy with, like, Hummels, because you can't really do a good digital scan of those. Yeah, but it's like, it is, stuff, it's like it's a nice. dare. It's like a dare against the universe to collect these multi-hundred dollar things that are just, you know, made to break. Yeah. Hmm. And so, we need to close this up. It's getting long. Um, your kids are not like you in this way. So far no my daughter is i don't know she her room looks like a bomb went off in an art supply store but she's also she's got like her interests seem like they get very focused i mean i know that that may sound dissimilar i, I mean I'm not, I'm not saying she's but like the the fact that she can have a super duper amount of interest and focus in something is very promising yeah yeah so like i i'm that's why i was trying to think of when did my taking care of things kick in because it could be that i'm just waiting on on them for it to kick in on them it's like because i do see the obsessive interest in you know like when she's into i'm going to be into art and now i'm going to get a million art supplies and obviously we spoil her but uh you know we're supporting her creativity is what we're doing it's not spoiling anyway um <laughs> keep telling yourself that and she goes yeah and she goes super deep into each and all these things and uh and i remember being like that but i also remember 
organizing and taking care of my things way more. Of course, I had one seven hundred thousandth less things than you know a fraction of the things that she has. I, I, I think I still have like all of my paints fit into a brief, one of my old, dad's old briefcases, which I, I love to explain what a briefcase is to my kids. My dad would go to work and he would carry a briefcase to work. He'd wear a, a you know jacket and tie and, and wear carry a briefcase. And one of his dad old suit. briefcases when he <laughs> When he switched up to a new briefcase, he gave me his old briefcase. And in that briefcase, I kept all of my paints and oh, my palette wow. and, and all of my brushes. So that's where they fit. Uh, my daughter would have to have a stack of briefcases, uh, the, 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 you know, <laughs> six, six stories high to fit right. her art supplies in them. Right. So it is a difference of scale, which is which is our fault more than hers. But she doesn't seem to have a place for all of her things. But I'm not. I'm not ruling it out. Maybe it's not. I'm not ruling it out that someday one of them will wake up and decide that they want to take care of their things, because, and especially as we we talked about last show, things leaving the house. I think you know more and more of the things that leave the house will be belong to my kids, and that will narrow down. It will mm-hmm. clarify for them the things they actually do care about, and we'll see uh, if they start they start taking better care of their stuff. Mm, here's hoping. In the meantime, I'm taking. I'm trying to take lots of pictures of the wreck that is their rooms because we'll forget, right? You don't want to just take You're pictures like your kids when they're smiling. Gates when they get to yeah, be 14, well, 15, 16. Tell, tell parents, don't yeah. just take pictures of your kids when they're being cute and smiling, because that's not a reflection of what their childhood no. was like. <laughs> get get them when they're angry and sad too. Because at a certain point, you'll want to remember that too. She nursed until she was three and a half, and she was mm. so. Look at that! Look at that! I got another slide right here. Third grade Sunday school class, Mrs. Oreda, very, very famous. She would give you Jolly Ranchers for memorizing church uh, Bible verses. Um, she was a famous nut and very interesting person. And she said everyone in her Sunday school class were businessmen for the Lord. And that we should take our work as seriously as if we were businessmen for the Lord. So you had to have a briefcase that you brought with you to Sunday school with all your stuff. And you get your Bible, you got your concordance, you got all your sheets, you got all, all, all the place to put your Jolly Ranchers. So it's I was, not, I was a businessman. Not the model Florida. I would have gone with. Did you get to the 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 money changers? Did you get to that part or no? Businessmen for the Lord is probably not. You ever seen Jesus Christ Superstar? You ever seen that? Yeah, I'm sure I have. Yeah, Mrs. Oreda. 